Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. And I'm Timmy Hall. Good afternoon. Let's go to baseball. The Indians are at the Pirates tonight at 7.05, coming off the sweep of the Tigers. By all means, I expect that game to be played. And the Reds should have played at the Royals at 8.05. But here in the last hour, seeing a couple baseball guys tweeting, Jeff Pass and John Heyman among them, that game postponed. Cincinnati continuing to have some testing following the one positive from a player they had on Friday. Last two games of their Pirates series were wiped out. They've scheduled a double header in KC for tomorrow. Four more games in the NBA playoffs opening round series tonight. Slate of game one starts with the Bucks and Magic at 1.30. Pacers heat at 4. Thunder and Rockets at 6.30. And the Lakers versus the Blazers at 9. LeBron versus the pride of Weber State. One of my alma maters. That's Dame Lillard. Breaking sports news right here on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, CB at our switches in the control room. Boys, how we feeling? They are, my man, another day. Feeling pretty good, man. How you doing over there? Oh, I'm 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 a little depressed. Let's all admit it, right? I mean, I, these first periods of CBJ games are just coming back to haunt me, the team, everybody. Like I've I've finally gotten to the point where, and I I told you this yesterday that you know I I won't get I won't do the three one dance until they're officially down three one, and now we're here. So we'll get into that today. It, uh, it just it's not an embarrassing feeling. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We knew going into this series this was going to be it. I mean, the amount of games they played. I mean, my goodness, what, five games in seven days, and then they had a 36-hour turnaround, and you're playing a team that was just coasting in Tampa. You get that 3 p.m., now we get a nooner, uh, a condensed schedule that we knew going in, tons of skating with this team. That's the kind of team they have to be. They've got to bring five up. they got to bring five back. As I made the movie reference that you will not get, five Santas go in, five Santas have to come out. Maybe one day you'll get the reindeer games reference. Listen, Hopefully I that's on you, your list. I got a list that I am ready to reveal to the people out there because it's funny. I told you guys um, when we made the announcement as a station that you, know, you and I were teaming up. It wasn't really people concerned about what we were going to talk about. It was more so people concerned about me getting your movie references. So I have a couple movies and I know we got to get into some stuff, but I, I just want you to give me a couple yeses on these. Hopefully these are what I need to watch. Fast right. Times at Ridgemont High. Risky that's Business. On, that's on the list. That's on the list. A Few Good Men. Now I have yeah. seen some of these, but I need to refresh my memory yeah. on some of these. Okay, I like I like the first three. Caddyshack. Yeah, top, you'll need to see Caddyshack. And Top Gun is what I've got going so far. Is that am I off to a good it's start not, with the it's list? A pretty good start. Right. That's a good right. start. I I mean Carp used to quote Top Gun a lot more than I did, but 
I'll make you a list and nice. and we'll go through it. But that's a very good start. I'm okay. thrilled you're even taking on this project. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's something that I want to do. But yeah, Ar, I- I'm with you, brother. I mean, last night it was rough, and I know we'll get into the jackets here in our yeah. second segment. But um, a lot to unpack there. But the feeling today, waking up after that, especially when you look at the scoreboard and some of the stuff that transpired out there on the ice, it makes you feel a little icky. But we'll see, man. They still got life, and uh, as we know. And I think what we saw last night, AR, they're not going to lay down. I thought the effort was pretty good uh, from the boys last night. But we'll get to it a little bit later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, got to uh, gotta keep scratching and clawing. And, uh, unfortunately for us, we won't be here tomorrow to preview it because they're kicking us off there because they're dropping. How about in. that? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, just that we finally get a new – it's like now I don't even want it. You'd rather, you know, you'd rather just see it through. But here's the here's the good news. Let's hope that maybe us donating our show to science tomorrow, we, it's, we're not the cadaver that ends. I don't want to post mortem on Thursday. I want to basically donate, you know, our show to science and then hopefully they create a different dude and we come out of this Thursday feeling like, okay, well now the pressure shifts because three one, okay, they're, the odds are you're dead. Yeah. The odds are the series is is probably over, but if you can get if you can get within one, then you really start just pumping out the cliches of well, wow! If you could force a game seven, then all the pressure shifts because you weren't even supposed to be there. So I agree with you. It's not about this team has always been about playing the game in front of them. It's right. just I think reality is setting in, and the reason that I'm really depressed about it. Is not that I came in thinking they were gonna, they, they're for sure gonna take down Tampa and it was gonna, we we're gonna relive the glory from last year and all this. It's not that. It's that Corpy has deserved better. Corpy deserves this series. That's what's killing me. Yeah, it's I that get the it, guy man. that came in with so many question marks and when he started Corpy over Elvis and I could just hear it from CBJ fans like wrong decision, bad choice, give it to the kid who's, who's, Technically, the better goalie, more cocky, more flair, getting that swag on. Like, that's the guy you want in the cage. And Corpy has just lunch-pailed this thing and gone to work. And last night, he des- yesterday afternoon, he deserved a better fate. So that's why I'm a little no off. Doubt. But we'll... Look, uh, I was just going to say, uh, when you're swag surfing yeah. the way Elvis is, you become a popular pick. Mm. He's Look, he's a polarizing guy. I get it, but I'm with you. Corpy has been really, really good. And, uh, look, you coined the phrase Humanalytics, which I want to turn into Rothmanalytics because I think it's so good. That definitely comes into effect if you win this game tomorrow, right? Because Tampa, just a little bit, you know, you just start thinking of, mm-hmm. oh, maybe this goes the other way, but that's all you can do. We'll get into the jackets here a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you, AR. This team ain't going to lay down, but it does feel very, very, um, very, very, Dark right now in blue. Yeah, they're they're, t- they're they'll always be a tough team to bury officially, like be pronounced dead. Like I always expect them to show up and make it tough, but uh, you start running out of things to say because these first periods have just come back to haunt them, and they're not a team that can take golden scoring opportunities and just squander them. All right, I wanted to get into this at the beginning of the show because I think there's. I said yesterday there's a faint heartbeat going on right now for the Big Ten. It's it's in a weird time because the SEC unveils their schedule and. You know, somebody asked me earlier today, like, how bad the optics looked for the Big Ten when they put out their schedule, and then days later, there goes the season. Big Ten unplugged, no acoustic version. And so I'm, I said to this person, I said, well, the reason, the reason that Kevin Warren was able to sidestep that is because he was able to say, 
Well, the schedule is really complicated, and that's not anything we could just snap our fingers and have that unfold for all those teams with all the flexibility and all those bye weeks. To me, it wasn't really about that, that they pulled the rug out right after the schedule came out. Like I, I knew that two hands had to be operating on different accounts, and and they had to... Now, maybe his mindset was always, let me present this schedule, let me act as if, knowing full well which way he was leaning. The difference now is he's coming off more deceptive. Like the the one thing that Kevin Warren could probably live with is if if the worst thing you're going to call him and I know the the worst thing you're going to call him is being crazy overcautious, mm-hmm. I think he could live with that. Right now he has to live with being called deceptive mm-hmm. and borderline withholding and perhaps lying and not like when you have and and I knew that, and we'll hear. I, I had Colin dig up the soundbite from Gene Smith right after the reaction of the season getting canceled. We'll we'll play that in a couple minutes because I think you and I both want to play dime store psychologist there. Mm-hmm. I think that these Big Ten presidents either are now feeling the wrath of the, like the reality of it. Like, are you kidding me? Like, right. none of these other conferences followed us. Like, we weren't going to lead them into the into the like the cautious area, like we're putting health over finances. We're putting the health of our student athletes over, over football. It's a game. It's a lost season. Yeah, it sucks. Like I think the Big Ten really thought not that they were going to be applauded for it, but they weren't going to be just railed for it. And with the other conferences going forward, and now you have like the Penn State AD coming out saying, um, that they didn't question the Big Ten's decision to cancel fall football and that she did potentially create a stir by questioning whether there was an official vote. Now, there's a lot of backpedaling and moving forward and backwards. Was there a vote? Was there an official vote? How many Big Ten teams wanted to play? Did Kevin Warren uh, push them to go this way? And then once they had enough, once they had half or a little less than half, they felt like the thing would tumble, and now we all have to present this unified approach like that we're putting health over finances and that it's ultimately about protecting the one kid that goes into the hospital that might have long-term ramifications even if he beats the virus like like we don't want that on our watch yeah but i sit here and i say maddie if he doesn't now stack up every hard-hitting piece of medical advice he got from his task forces yeah and present that because if he does that and say this is why mm-hmm. then you can only accuse them of a couple things one we don't agree with your doctors uh, two, you're being crazy overcautious. But then you won't be able to tag that third thing on him, which is, why are you keeping stuff from us? Because we don't really believe you believe what you're saying. Yeah. So what's the motivation? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And it feels like... And the way, you know, this news probably impacted some college football fans in Big Ten country was like Kevin Warren, you know, essentially broke up with you via text message, right? Wasn't even face-to-face. You didn't get enough. Like, you know that can't fly in a relationship where you try to leave somebody and you send it over a text. Like, that's not going to work. And that's essentially what we've been hitting on is that everyone that's involved with this things, parents, players, coaches, they need more information, and they deserve that. And I touched on it yesterday. I said I think the weight of the parents should be, you know, taken more into account than in what it seems right now because those are the, those are their children. That absolutely matters. But I think the elephant in the room, and we've talked about this a ton, man, is that Kevin Warren, these commissioners, all of these t- big, powerful people that make these decisions, they haven't come out and fully admitted what the elephant in the room is, and it's the liability thing. That's what mm-hmm. it is. 
they are scared of the liabilities and you can you can get your money to a place to where you can understand that because you touched on AR the health stuff that's out there that involves the heart and the effects that that covid can have on that particular situation and i can live with that I, i'm okay if you give us all that information i wasn't a fan of them unveiling the schedule and then a couple of days later pulling ripcord because in my mind at that moment you kind of had a feel of you weren't going to play the season anyway and i just don't like getting people all excited and things like that because i didn't I, in my mind the quick turnaround didn't just happen in those four to five days or whatever it was you had a good feeling that you probably were going to cancel the season i don't know if we ever get clarity on that but i didn't like the timing of it but yeah man this is where we are and you see some of the stuff percolating around on twitter and in the college football verse it can confuse it there's a lot of going back and forth a lot of people are you know throwing out there hearing certain things from different sources and things like that you don't know what to believe at this moment but i do think that coming off the weekend with a petition from justin Fields and some of the stuff that's taking place with college football writers that are really dialed into this thing starting to hear different things maybe we do get a turn here later in the week but you and i have been on mm-hmm. the same page with this ar that kevin warren needs to come out again and clear this thing up and i'm with you like if he's going to do that Give us the best medical stuff that you have, all the information that you've had, because we've had other conferences go out and do that, and I think their fan bases can deal with that a little bit more so than what happened here in the Big Ten. So just outside of the football stuff with not giving it at least a pause, which I had an issue with, you got to at least give us more clarity. And until we get that, you're going to have this same reaction from everyone involved, whether it's fans, players, coaches, or parents. And I just think that's where we are right now. And I'm hoping that some of this momentum that we have right now, just in the last 48 to 72 hours, can create a little bit of change or at least get him to stand up in front of a mic and say, okay, here is more info for you. Yeah. Tried to use every last minute he could before he had to pull ripcord on him because they were about to knock heads in practice. Yeah. And that's when, even though the schedule had just come out, practice, like contact practice was going to happen. And that's where they got worried. Like, like that fuse is going to get lit really fast. And it's not that I sit here saying, I, I don't know, you don't know whether he ultimately made the wrong call. Was it overly, was it cautious? Of course it was. Yep. Com- compared to everything we've seen and the other sports playing and whatever bubbles are going on. And I know college kids, it's going to be a tough bubbling process. That's, you know, but we've seen other kids are moving back onto campus. And so you're either going to go for it or you're not. And he decided not to do it. But I think what's really bugging all of us is that I want to see either some presidents break rank here and say what it really is. And I doubt we're ever going to get that. But I do think that Randy Wade going to Chicago and trying to get Kevin Warren to give more because about the trusting of his task forces, the infectious disease task force, what did they tell you? Why were you so frightened? And why would he be ashamed to put that? Why would he be ashamed to offer that up? That's his sole reason for for pulling the season. You wouldn't want to withhold that information. Like that's 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 the one that's strengthening your argument. And so the accusation of well, people don't like your doctors. We don't agree with them. And the ACC and the SEC, well, they found doctors that, that gave them the go-ahead. That was going to happen. That was going to happen. For no no, no uh, pun intended, this is a political football getting punted around all yeah. over the country. Okay, and no so, doubt. yeah. You know, and so, but I just don't know why he wouldn't want to strengthen his argument. 
Yeah, uh, it's but, a great it, it's a great question. No, it is a great question, Nr. And I think the students on campus thing is is a thorn in the side of a lot of people because I saw a video floating around yesterday of you know at Oklahoma State there's a big time party going down. It just looked like it looks like a banger. <laughs> it took me back to my old days. You know, Ar hopping around from bar to bar with my friends, sliding around yeah. in those nasty bathrooms, smelling like throw up mm. and all that. But that's what's happening on campus right now. And the football players are saying, "Wait a minute, we're getting tested twice a week, but everybody's at these parties throwing bangers and doing all this stuff, playing beer pong." and everything as normal but we can't be protected and when we are you know in the facility and doing the things that we're supposed to do these are the answers that we need because right now it's just not clear at all all right brother we are just getting started we got a lot to do today allison lucan will jump on we'll talk cbj at twelve thirty-three with her matt verderam nfl at fan side at 133 got a buckeye commit with alex gleitman a buckeye scoop we'll do that in the bulletin at 148 uh, we'll do a little deeper dive at two o'clock into the jackets today as well. And we got some baseball to get to today. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. We get the full three hours. Rothman and Ice on the fan. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right. Welcome back. As we finally get the three hour bag here, the lazy river that is Rothman and Ice as we take you through the day in sports. All right. I wanted to look this up and getting a little reverb on my uh, end as well, guys, if uh, if you are. I'm not sure. Um, we wanted to pull the Gene Smith bite on his reaction because all I've all I keep hearing, Maddie, yeah, is that everyone's unified and where are the votes and who voted or who right. didn't vote. We know Iowa and Nebraska wanted to play. Where are the others? Where did Ohio State stand? Where's the Ohio State president and all this? The ADs. I understand why they all want to tow a company line right out of the gate. They must have all agreed at that point. But I will tell you this. The Ohio State football coach is pretty pretty outspoken right now in Ryan Day. No and he's supporting Justin Fields in the petition run. You think that if if Ohio State was all in line for the cancellation – do you think that Gene Smith would want Ryan Day being so outspoken about keep fighting and and all that? Not. No, yeah. it'd be like, okay, let's digest this. We want to educate our student athletes. We're going to get ready for a spring season. No, I still think they feel there's a heartbeat here. I don't think it's not their job to decide whether or not it's unrealistic to plug back in a season. It's their job to not lay down and take it. That's their job, and that's what they're doing. But here's the Gene Smith reaction. After the announcement, because I think we needed to all rehear this, the reaction after the Big Ten decided they would not play football this fall. Well, obviously, we we have would have preferred to play. Uh, we were very aligned in our position that we felt that we could uh, make it happen, but we knew that the possibility to postpone or cancel uh, was a, a real possibility. Um, happened a little earlier. Uh, than we uh, would have liked. Uh, but the, the, the medical uh, experts who provide us great advice um, helped us understand that we needed to do what we need, needed to do today. That's about, for me, now that I re-listen to it, about 75% I do not agree with this. Yeah. And 25% I alone couldn't get this overturned, and now I have to toe the company line and act yeah. unified. Like I think he gave, I think he gave 
credibility to Kevin Warren, but I also believe that there was a lot of that that he really probably wanted to say. And it yeah. doesn't mean that he it doesn't mean that he would be reckless with with the Ohio State athlete. That, that's not what that would mean that that he didn't care about the medical advice because I'm sure he does. Gene's got a lot of beautiful grandchildren that he that he tweets and and like he he cares about young people. It's I just feel like there's part of this that it's kind of like an everyday job where your boss instructs you to do something and how you handle that publicly will go a long way to how they feel about you. Yeah. And I just I don't feel like he there was any rising up with Ohio State because they either felt like it was fruitless or they didn't want to do that to the Big 10, but I think it's time for everyone now if they are going to quote save a season, which I think it's you know, I said the other day at 10%, I still feel like there's a heartbeat to it. Then people have to start getting on the record and put some public pressure on the Big Ten commissioner to come out and say, we were all on board. These schools were on board. These schools weren't. We were, we had, we had a majority decision, like whatever it is, they have yeah. to give it now. Yeah, no doubt. And you look at Nebraska and how quickly they dug in on the situation, you know, shortly after the announcement was made. And, you know, know there was a different reaction to all, you know, to what they were doing because it's Nebraska. And I said, you know, I, I respect the flex. I do because you're sticking up for your guys. You're sticking up for what you believe in and the information that you're receiving up there from whatever medical experts that you've talked, spoken to. And, and I do believe that, you know, if the big boys of this conference that have been at the top of the mountain over the last handful of years decided to throw their weight around along with Nebraska, I think we probably wouldn't have would have gotten a little bit more of a reaction from Kevin Warren and all those people in charge. So who knows if we would have got Michigan, Penn State, and the Buckeyes involved, maybe you do get that. We'll never know. But I do think when you hear that Gene Smith clip back, uh, I totally agree with you, Ar. That you could hear it in his voice that he is acknowledging the, you know, the the seriousness of the medical side of things. But the two things that did jump out to me was Gene saying, "Hey." We felt like we could have made it happen. And then mm-hmm. he said, hey, it happened a little earlier than we would have liked. And I think the first part of that really stuck out to me because in his mind and in everybody else's mind over there, they fully were invested and believed that the plan that they had involving the players and the coaches and all these other athletes involved could work. But mainly since we're talking about football, they feel good about that. And that to me is why they probably are so disappointed because they're looking around the building and saying, hey, this is operating fairly smoothly and all of that. And then on top of that, We've got this new schedule to where we have flexibility with it. Okay, let's do it. Let's give it a chance. Let's get students back on campus and then look at some of the numbers and how our guys are affected now that we got guys and gals back on campus doing their thing as well. That, to me, are the two things that jumped out, man, is that they felt confident in the plan that they had. And I am with him in the part of, hey, man, this happened very, very quickly. Let it breathe for a little bit and then let's make the decision. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion is coming for some people. Well, yeah, the let it breathe part would have had to be also delaying practice then. Then you would have had to have just hit the delay button again because they were about to knock heads. The contact sport was about to go full contact. And that's when, that's why he had it. So as far as the schedule is concerned and when they did it, like I said earlier, the timing of that didn't bother me as much as, as the fact that they could have hit pause again. But were you delaying the inevitable? And, and what they felt like, you know, the problem with it is the other sport, the other conferences. If the other conferences would have shut down too, if they would have followed suit, you wouldn't have gotten this petition. 
Yeah. I don't think you would have. I really no. don't. I, and it's not that Justin Fields wouldn't have felt as strongly about, I wish there was a season, but right. it would have been more of a, it would have been a bigger mountain to climb in his mind. Yes. Like if yep. all the power five shut down and said, we're, we're, we're moving to spring. I don't think you'd have a petition. I think what's really got these guys going is, wait a minute, three fifths are going and, and yep. my, my peers, my contenders, our national title is, is circling the drain while the other guys are practicing. Like that's you what know, really the optics of that is killing them. Yeah, no doubt. And Justin Fields is probably looking at the situation saying, okay, well, he and Trevor Lawrence have been linked together well on this. I thought those guys have done a great job being the kind of faces of college football over this year and kind of throwing their weight around. But from a competitive standpoint, Justin Fields may be saying, look, I, I think in my mind, I can catch Trevor Lawrence for that number one overall pick. I want to play and show that I can do that. So there's a lot that comes into it. We touched on it yesterday. Justin brought up the guys, the seniors, the, the guys that have been around that have an extra year of eligibility. All of that stuff he's looking at and saying, well, we can't give it a shot. Like We can't even wait just a little bit. And I think that's where these guys' mentality is. And I'm with you. I don't think that petition's out there if these other conferences are just, they're shutting it down. But the fact that they're still rolling and throwing out schedules and throwing out medical stuff, uh, everybody in our neck of the woods is saying, what the heck is going on? Absolutely. We'll get back to this uh, later in the hour. We'll take a break here. We'll come back with Allison Lucan. We'll talk some jacket. She's big into the analytics. Well, here's what we're looking at. A team that has to win three in a row to win the series. A team trying to avoid losing three in a row to burst the bubble. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. All right, we've reached urgency level. Def cut to close up the mountain. Allison Lucan with us from The Athletic on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Allison, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, and welcome, Matt. Nice to have you. It's great to be on with you, Allison. I'm so glad that we get the team up. I know you hopped on the show before, but uh, thanks for hopping on that. I'm a part of it. It makes me feel good, Allison. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he, he just doesn't have to make the phone call anymore, right? He sits back. Right, waits. He just kicks back in the old lazy boy. He's good to go. All right, so I'm going to start with a kind of a, a weird question of analytics because I know you like them, and maybe you know, and I don't want to blindside you this question, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, in my mind, I feel like the five on three percentage in the NHL is like 50%. I, it probably isn't that, but when Bemmer hits the post the other day, you know, all I kept hearing was like five on three is like a guaranteed goal. And I've watched enough hockey in my life to know it's not a guarantee, but can you tell me like of the best of the best power plays, which are what 24, 25%, how much does that get bumped up in a five on three? Do you feel in this league? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have the numbers <laughs> to, to answer you straight away, but I, I think that it certainly is an increased advantage. Um, we know how this group has struggled with their power play all season. They've had five on threes and not converted those before. Um, so I think the power play in general, we keep talking about it. We've talked about it during the regular season. We've talked about it during the postseason. They have two total power play goals in 22 opportunities, and that's just not going to cut it. I mean, the, even yesterday, some nice key chances and no speed at getting that puck off the stick and towards the net. So, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a takedown, I'm sure, emotionally and also obviously on the scoreboard. 
Allison, I thought yesterday that Zach played really well on the offensive end of the ice, and I thought he really did a good job putting a handful of shots on the net. How important do you think that element um, of developing moving forward is going to be for the Jackets come high noon tomorrow? For sure. I, I agree with you, Maddie. I think he had a great game. He was noticeable for all the right reasons, and and this is his strength. I mean, we remember back to when John Tortorella started calling him a rover because he's not a true defenseman. And, you know, th- that can give an opponent fits because it's one more skater that they have to prepare for in their game plan. It's one more skater they have to really intensely cover on the ice in addition to the forwards and that assumption that a D-man's probably going to stay high and, and just back off into the neutral zone. He's going to be key tomorrow. He, he's going to be key, in my opinion, for this franchise for quite some time. All right, so there's always been a balance with uh, skill versus being a complete player for torts. And I think at the beginning of this series, the beginning of the playoffs, really in the bubble, he's like, if a young guy can help me, he's going to be on the ice. Well, Liam Foody was, there's a fallout there, right? He was MIA. What's your assessment of why? Yeah, you know, I, I think that probably in this situation, and, and I have not asked Torts this question, but in my estimation, I think that Torts is going to go to his tried and true veterans. Um, he's going to go to guys who are probably more comfortable in those situations. Foodies have a, had, has had a couple little missteps. I've, we've talked about this here. Mm-hmm. He's still having some welcome to the NHL moments, um, in my opinion. And, you know, I think that right now he's got the speed and he's still finding how to get his true offense, meaning that setup pass and that shot to where it needs to be. We've seen tremendous flashes from him. But but I think right now Torts is saying to, to his senior guys, you guys know how to do this. You literally have done this before. It's time to do it again. Allison, speaking of flashes, I, I got the, those vibes yesterday from Kevin Stenland, and I don't know if you felt the same way, but I thought he brought some physicality to the table yesterday. Did you like some of the stuff that you saw from Kevin out there on the ice yesterday? Yeah, I did, and I, I think it's a testament to how far his game has come. I think his skating has improved. He, he even saw power play time, right, which was, was a nice surprise to see as well, and I think that it was what John Tortorella was hinting at earlier, too, is that he needed to shake things up and hopefully bring some energy. The amount of hockey that this group has played and the amount of time available to them is insane. And I think he was looking for a spark. And I think when you look at the guys who are in that Black Aces group, that Stenland is a player who had to be one of the top two that you'd pick to see if he, he could bring that to the squad. Well, there's so much really we can talk about on, on what this series is and what it has been. Corpy has been... On his head the entire way. I told Maddie earlier, I, I, I feel horrible for him because I think he's deserved a better fate, especially in some of these games. I mean, it's a lot of what ifs, right? If Cam gets some separation on a, in a five overtime game and he scores on a breakaway, it's a different series. If they score on that five on three. It's a different series. The last game, you get that early power play in the third and Klorn comes flying in underneath PLD, who's racing below the line. It's a bang, bang play. I know he can't push him there. How big of a mistake is that in a split second? And I believe me, it's a split second, and it might have been human nature because you're competing, you're a power play, you're down, you have to score. When that happens and he gets that boarding call, there goes the rest of the power play. Did they lose a little composure there, or is it just that's a bang-bang hockey play? Yeah, I mean, I think we have a couple things going on here. I think that Dubois is a player that certainly has to be careful um, of getting a reputation 
um, that he is going to go for maybe not always what's perceived as a clean play. Um, you have to be careful of another human in that situation with the mm-hmm. boards right there. There's ways to control possession, to control positioning without maybe that much physicality. But at the same time, I will say the league needs to be more consistent in calling those hits as well. That's how players learn, right, is what they're going to get called for and what they're not in terms of more severity um, based on the impact on a player. So I think we can understand what Dubois was going for it while at the same time demanding better and safer play that will still have the same impact on the game. Allison, I want to ask you, forgive me if this information already came out, but I believe the NHL was going to look into a couple of those hits right from PLD and Nick. Did you, have you heard anything? Is there anything new coming from the league or do you expect anything to come down from the league based off those hits we saw? Yeah, they're looking at that today. As far as I'm aware, we have not yet gotten an update. You okay. know, often if, if there is no judgment, it just kind of falls away into the ether as opposed to an official, we looked and there was nothing. Um, but we'll hear something today for sure because there's usually about a 24-hour turnaround on that. Okay. They've had, this is not breaking news, the offensive struggles this team has, they have to win by physicality, they have to win by manufacturing goals. They have to win identity. They have to win with identity goals. And it's, we're now at the point where their backs are against the wall. I, I think we all expect them to leave it on the ice tomorrow and not even have that. And maybe they don't even play it with an elimination in their mind. I don't know if you can, if you can get rid of that completely, but I do think we're going to get a, a very good hockey team tomorrow at noon. How much of this game do you feel like they'll have left if they trail like they trailed in game four? Is that is that the nail in the coffin? Do they have to get a lead tomorrow in your mind? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously important, and it's a different mental perspective on the game if you have a lead. But, you know, overall, I didn't think it was a terrible game from this Jackets squad. We talked about some of the standouts. They just couldn't finish. I mean, that first period was strong. They had quite a few chances, particularly from the left. I don't know what was going on over there. The second period, they even generated more offensive quality than Tampa Bay. It's just that Tampa was able to finish. So I think that this group can, can get there. I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand has two goals in all of his postseason play. Mm-hmm. Nick Foligno has just one. Boone Jenner has just one. We need more players getting on the score sheet, finishing those chances. It's the standard thing we've talked about all season. Find a way to get the puck in the net. If they trail, if they play well, they could still win that game. But starting mm-hmm. off early with a lead would obviously be huge. Yeah. It's it's haunted them the last two first periods and, and I don't think they even they wouldn't probably say that it did, but from a fan perspective and watching the game, it's just now that we have the results to look at and we know what they're up against every game, it's just it's really a shame that those two great first periods did not result in anything other than maybe trying to get some confidence. But you know in hockey, Allison, you get those two intermissions going, it's tough to keep momentum going in in hockey from period to period because you get that break in between. But now they've got to come out tomorrow and just try to extend a series. That's it. Just try to win a hockey game and see if they can put Tampa, put a little pressure on them to have to close it out rather than the Jackets trying to claw back into it. We always appreciate your insight, Allison. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks so much, guys. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks, yes, Allison. absolutely. Allison Lucan from The Athletic on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Maddie, they're down 3-1 with three one-goal losses. Yep. Like that's they, they played as good of a hockey game as I've seen them play yesterday. And, again, we are a bounce-and-break team. That's what we are, and I just have to admit it. And that's why Tampa doesn't need to score on the power play to survive in a series. We do. 
And that's the difference. They have enough skill where they can finish enough. But when you lose a game 2-1, like that was drawn up as about as good as you could draw it up for the Jackets. Of course. They still don't get the result, and that's the shame of it. Tough. Yeah, absolutely tough pill to swallow. <laughs> Last night waking up this morning, and when you just think about some of the opportunities um, that were there, and, you know, the big one that jumps to a lot of people's mind is, you know, PLD right there in the third period, man. I think it was Gus AR that had him with a nice feed there, I believe, on that pass. Yeah, and you're not going to make Might have some post. No doubt, right? And you got to give ta- uh, give their goalie credit. He got a nice little mm-hmm. piece of it and yeah. clipped it the other way. But that that's hockey. It's a tough deal. And you look at some of their goals yesterday, and um, you, you can label them softies. I don't think they were too mm-hmm. bad on Corpy's end. But I've learned from you, man. That's that's the sport. You're not going to get all the bounces to go your way. But yeah, there are plenty of opportunities there in a two-one loss where you controlled the game in the first period for a nice amount of time. Uh, it, it's tough to deal with today. We will cap off the first hour a little more hockey. You'll hear from Torts. We'll identify what we need to identify. And how badly does Vegas bury them now in the series? I'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Sports talk well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Got that right about my steak, AR. You got that Say what? You got that right about my steak. Team well done over here, man. I'm not backing off. I'm not backing down. (laughs) Team, I will, okay, you know me, I will, everything has to be well done or crispy. I cannot deal with it any other way. <laughs> I, I, I got it for my dad, yep. and that's what he, it's not, now I will tell you, if my dad eats a steak, he's not ordering it well done. That I can tell you. Well, but everything yeah. else, there was always this, has to be crispy, hash browns, toast. My brother and I, he'd take us out for breakfast, we'd go to some deli, and they would bring some bagel or something that was like, like, kind of light, <laughs> and he'd be like, He'd be like, you know, my dad's so glad. Old school bit. Darling, sweetheart. Um, can we just, ru- can we run this through a little bit again? Like, can we just run it through? Like, that was his thing. Can we run it through again? Like, yeah. and he had to have everything not burnt. He didn't want it burned. Yeah, I he get did, it. He really liked it done. And he'd I, order like, whether it was I'm trying to think what else. Okay. Hash browns. Absolutely. Like, I cannot eat hash browns that are just <laughs> raw. Right. Like they have just the, the top a little bit brown. No, 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 like they got to be crispy. Yeah. Um, pizza, I do like crispy. It doesn't, not deep dish, whatever, but the yeah. thin pizza has to be crispy. You can't pick up a piece of pizza with toppings and have the, you know, a marinara limp. slide. Right. It can't not, happen. Not pan deep dish or limp. It's, <laughs> I do not want limp pizza. Well, um, yeah. but anyway, so <laughs> I, got, I got one more for you because I know we're going right. to get to some torts on the breakfast side yeah. of things. See if you can find yourself some pancakes with crispy edges. It takes your pancakes to a whole nother My mother level. made No, my mom made that. My okay, mom made I'm it at home when we were I'm, kids. It was like okay. this she would she would do it and it would somehow she would get the pancakes to have those crispy edges. Mm. It's incredible. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. Only I'm glad way to you do brought pancakes. that up. Only way to do it, brother. Only yeah. way. Yeah. Thought you were more like the 49ers, like the little thin ones. Oh. You're looking like a big, thick stack. Listen, man, if I'm eating pancakes, give me a thin, nice, thick stack of pancakes with an extra side of syrup and some See, butter. that should have been your name instead of ice on the show. Maddie Thick Stack Haze. Yeah. And that's not butter. That's butter. B-U-T-T-A. Butter. Buttery. Oh, he's buttery. All right. So before we... What do we have? Okay. So you set this up for me. Yeah. I, I listened to Torch yesterday, and I, I think he's been... He, it's interesting. He is, he, the edge is off of him for sure. I think he knows what his team is up against. I mentioned this earlier in the show. The five games in seven days coming in against Toronto, the 36 hour turnaround, the, the, the playing a team that was coasting, 
in Tampa. 3 p.m. to noon starts. Condensed schedule. Ton mm-hmm. of skating. Mm-hmm. Five guys up, five guys back. All the time to try to win a hockey game the way they have to win a hockey game. And I think he knows, and, and I still mention this, all the one-goal losses in this series and the ones that could have tipped it the other way. But here we are. Here we are at 3-1. Yeah. So you set up the torch bite you want. Yeah, here he is right here, AR, talking about, you know, they can't, the squad and the vibe around them, they can't get down. We can't get frustrated. We're still in a series, and we, we just got to get ready for our next game and try to, we need to make a, a couple more big offensive plays to score some goals. And uh, So there's no sense of being frustrated. We'll just get ready for our next game. I think he's sensing that th- there's no reason to go into this, and and they everybody knows what's going on. You're down three yeah. one. You know you've been competitive. Character up, mm-hmm. character up. Yeah, I and know. I don't think he and I don't. It's not the kind of team that he has to character up because he knows what he's got in that room. Yeah. He does. It and he'll never admit that he doesn't have the guns. Like at least not to the point where he's he's really tipping it the other way where. You know, he's talked about we have to finish. When we have our chances, we have to finish. He knows that. He know he's admitted the power play is a mess. Like he's dealing with what he has to deal with. He's played some young kids. He's tried different lines. Some of his veterans have let him down. Some of the guys are playing like Matt, like Camp, sack up, played hurt. Great. Awesome. Yep. That's what they needed. Um you are up against a tape to tape to twine team. That's what they do. And I'll give Tampa some credit because I let's be objective here. Yep. When Tampa had that one goal lead last uh, yesterday in the third, they did not play it not to lose. Tampa was making it very hard on them in the neutral zone. I was watching that really closely, how aggressive they were playing. They were pressuring. And by the way, when we get on a power play, then they know we suck on the power play. You know what they do? They don't just hold back and say, well, they suck at scoring. You know what they do? They pressure the blue line. They make it even tougher yep. to, to have the entry into the zone. Yeah. And so we are that dump and chase four check like you know what try to get the puck back crash the crease get some action in front of Andre and hope you get a bounce and a break that's who we him. are yeah and so if they keep doing that in their identity they might have a chance to at least extend the series yeah now let me tell you what Vegas thinks about him and I'll have Colin jump in I know we got a minute before we got hit the top here both of you guys your hundred soft earned dollars today jackets come all the way back and win three in a row. What would you need Vegas to give you back to make that bet? Yesterday was four fifty. Yesterday was four fifty. And going the other way, it was fourteen dollars. <laughs> you would have made fourteen dollars and seventy nine cents on Tampa if you oh. bet a hundred dollars on them yesterday. Well, I got on the series, right? I got I got to exceed the four fifty. <laughs> can I get? Well, yes, they're down three one. Can I get seven fifty? Colin, what do you want? It's got to be around twelve to or thirteen to one. So I'll go thirteen hundred. Okay, you guys are both low. Oh god, hundred bucks on the jackets to win the series now pays fifteen hundred. Wow, tantalizing. Not that, a smart bet. That does not make me feel good. That doesn't you know what hundred bucks good. on Tampa makes for the series right now? Nothing. Nothing. A dollar and forty cents. Exactly. Keep your hundred. Watch even, the series. Can't even get a four for four with that. That's bad. No. Oh, buck forty, dude. What are we getting for that these days? Seriously, what are you getting for a buck? Maybe 40? a large fry. Maybe you can't, a large can't even fry. get a lottery ticket, right? Anymore? It used to be a buck, right? Now I think it's two or more. All right, we'll come back. Sports Center update, top of the hour, second hour on the way. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD One Columbus. The fan. Sports Center.
And I'm Timmy Hall. In baseball, even though the Reds all reportedly tested negative, MLB is taking the cautious approach and postponing tonight's 805 first pitch in Kansas City. That is now supposed to be a doubleheader tomorrow. The Athletic early reported that since he could still be down several players due to contact tracing, we will see. The Indians are at the Pirates tonight at 705, coming off the sweep of the Tigers. Four more games in the NBA playoffs, opening round series tonight. A slew of Game 1s, Bucks and Magic at 1.30, Pacers Heat at 4, Thunder and Rockets at 6.30, and the Lakers versus the Trailblazers at 9. Also, parents of some Big Ten football players, including Randy Wade, Sean Wade's dad, are going to Chicago to petition or protest outside the commissioner's office. This one brought to you by The Basement Doctor, Central Ohio's most trusted name for your home since 87. Go to basementdoctor.com. Breaking sports news on the fan, Ohio's sports destination. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, I know you're hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Second hour, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice. CB in the control room today, making us shine. Getting to a little football action this hour with Matt Verderam, NFL at Fanside at 133. We'll get you a Buckeye commit in the bulletin at 148 with Alex Gleitman, a Buckeye scoop, so we'll have you covered there. We'll keep you up to date. If anything's going on with uh, Randy Wade's push to Chi-Town, yeah. shake the bushes, get Warren uh, out there. Yeah. Someone does something publicly to bring this man out. Right. It, it's just like... It's just like in uh, Rocky Two, when Apollo Creed. I I assume you've seen the Rockies. Oh, you, you listen. Don't disappoint me now. I you don't even you know the answer to this. We've All of them. Ag- we, we've been working together for six years, and you know my answer is still remain the same. I have not seen any of them. Okay. Wait, wait, what? I, I, this can't be your real reaction. You've known it is this my re- it's my genuine reaction. <laughs> None of them. No, man. Like, I, told I thought. You, I don't, it, at no. least, no. Boxing movies are just I don't know like. I'm more disappointed in the jackets or this. <laughs> it's even. I know this really, really hurts you the most, probably more so than all the other movies, because I know your passion for Rocky is just through the roof. But I will definitely. It's getting added to the list as I'm speaking right now. Rocky one through foe. I'm on it. I'm on it. What Apollo's sitting behind his desk and he's like, "I won, but I didn't beat him, man." Now let's do something publicly to bring this man out. Like that's really oh what that's God. Randy Wade is. All right, well now, now let's He's ask Apollo our, Creed. Let's ask our wonderful producer the same question, Colin. How many of the Rockies have you seen? See, I knew you were going to put me on the spot because yeah, I haven't exactly. either. Yeah, see, hey, are you <laughs> okay, got two? I'm done. I'm out of this. Seriously. <laughs> you know done. what, Rothman and Ice, we had a good run. It's over. We had a good run. We got four. We had three hours in. I was going to yeah, say four hours. We got three hours in. We had a good run. Seriously, that that might be it for me. <laughs> You're going I'm, to the transfer I'm, I'm portal. Real, I mean, I've had some disappointments in my life. And as you've said to me, Rothman, live a little. And I yeah. gave you the quote back. I've lived enough. This might be the ejector seat moment. This might be it. I can't be around it. Oh, my goodness. Neither what, of you have seen any of the Rockies. No. And I'm not saying that you could... You didn't stumble into one no. over a Thanksgiving I, I, weekend never, or anything? I've, I've never cared to watch them. I don't oh, think, now, but, what, what do you want? Hey, 
Step on my head while I'm drowning. Seriously, well, I, I'm, like, being, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the real. I just don't think boxing I movies do cared much. enough. No, boxing movies don't do anything for me. I can't even think of any boxing movie that I like off the top. Maybe Ali, Will Smith. I think he did a good job in that. But mm. the boxing, I can't get down with it. Just like sports movies, they are. You know how fake this stuff can be, especially baseball movies and stuff like that. Like if it's not real, I'm not getting down with it. Now I'm going to watch it, it but that. <laughs> No. no, but a guy who said that uh, uh, Lion King was his favorite movie. If it's Incredible. not real, I'm not down with it. Incredible. But the animated stuff, that's as real as it gets. There are some real values that you can take away from the Lion King. Some good stuff, man. There's a, you can't take a value away from Rocky? <laughs> I'm not, I, mean, like, I don't the know guy if I endured, Like the underdog of underdog stories? <laughs> like that is the one. Well, I guess now that I'm saying that I'm going to watch these four, I have to go watch what are the new, the Creeds as well? There's been Creed 1 and Creed 2. All right. All right. And those have been good. I would almost say that, I almost say Creed 2 might be a little bit better than Creed 1. Okay. um, With the the whole Drago deal. Michael B. Jordan? Um, Yeah. He's pretty, really good in it. And, but if... I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I threw you off with this. Yeah. We threw you off with this, but I, I just had to be honest with you, man. Yeah. I just right. my level of care for it just has. I'm glad not you're been honest. There. No, no, I, I I can't applaud the honesty, but I'm glad you are. I wish you would have lied to me. <laughs> I really do. At this point, I wish you would have lied and then just ran to see one. Um. <laughs> oh my. Goodness. All right. By the way, yeah. another guy who's trying to be honest. What a great transition for me. That's a pro. <laughs> is Zeke Elliott opening yeah. up after the Cowboys' first padded practice. Now, his first answer was, I've not seen all the Rockies. And then <laughs> after that, he decided when he was asked about movies, I'm kidding. Then, um, But he did a Q&A, including his take on where his new coach, Mike McCarthy, stands with the team and his thoughts on C.D. Lamb and his expectations and all that and Dak Prescott and the franchise tag, his own health status. Remember, he had COVID. Yeah. And he said he expects to continue to compete for rushing titles and said that Mike McCarthy hasn't had any conversations with him to reassure that he'll get the ball off. And does Zeke want to have that conversation? And he said, no, I'm not too worried. Um, I don't know where to go with this other than the fact that he's got a lot to – he's got so much talent, a coach would be an idiot to ignore that. We know what they have. They have to be somewhat if the passing game opens up opens up the running game, I'm for it for them. If the running game opens up the passing game, I'm for it. We know what Mike McCarthy does. Yep. So when he says this I'm wondering if McCarthy is just lighting another fuse under him here. I, it's a great question, and I'm really fascinated, AR, by this entire offense, right? Because this was supposed to be built around Zeke. You know, before he got there, they had DeMarco Murray and that great offensive line, and now you plug Zeke in there, and it was incredible, right? I think Dak and Zeke, their rookie years together, 13-3, and three, they thought that they were going to run away at the NFCs for years. It hasn't necessarily worked out with that. And Zeke's been dominant, man. You can just go look at the numbers. The guy has been a beast. I know last year maybe was a bit of a down year by his standards, but I think anybody listening would take Zeke as you're running back all day long but like we talked about a ton around the draft time AR I mean they've implemented this new piece 
Tatis and, and Lamb out there mm-hmm. with Amari Cooper and those guys. But Zeke right now has to be wondering, well, how, how much am I going to eat? How much am I really going to eat <laughs> because of what you talked about, AR? You bring in Mike McCarthy, who had Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback and all that stuff. We don't really know what this offense is going to look like. But I think it's a run through Zeke, but I do like that he's throwing it out there. Or he's saying that I think I do have a lot to prove. He said, I, ha- I have high expectations of myself. It's not something you go and force. You just go grind, go to work every day, and you let it happen. So that's big time right there. And look, man, he's probably hearing some of this noise, right? Everybody's falling in love with Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, and they're the new kids on the block in the running back world. This guy's 25 years old, and I think if he's mentally locked in and if he is in great physical shape, he is going to be a force to be reckoned with all the time. And I, like I said, man, I think with question marks about Dak, I think within that building, because they didn't give him the long-term contract, mm-hmm. that to me was they still got questions about him. Run it through 21 and let this dude roll because he's shown that he can handle it. I'm not worried that they're not going to do that. I'm really not. I think this is, I think McCarthy has been around long enough where now could he have been, could McCarthy have just said, Hey, I'm not tipping what we're doing. Right. But if you guys don't think I'm going to have Zeke as part of our game plan, you shouldn't be covering this game. Like He could have said something like that. There's yeah. only one running back over the last five years who's finished top six three times, and that's Zeke. No doubt. So you don't tell me that – like I think this is getting overblown, and I also think that if this is what motivates Zeke, then I'm for it. And so I don't think McCarthy's hiding anything from him. I don't right. think he's trying to keep him down. I don't think he's trying to prepare him yeah. for a life of not getting touches. Like I don't think that's it. The Cowboys passing offense with C.D. Lamb, who dropped in their lap. They didn't need him. They could have drafted somebody defensively. Yep. He dropped in their lap. And if he's going to be a generational talent, then I get that. It's a passing league. It's a scoring league. And it it also, it's weird because it'll help Dak get numbers. But it'll also be... But look how many weapons he has. If he doesn't get numbers, then we did the right. Then we know we did the right thing. You know. So I mean, it, it's yeah. setting him up for you know. So that's the interesting part. Yeah. So while that may put a cap on Elliott's targets in the passing game, I'm okay with that, and he should be too. Yeah. But you can't tell me that up against seven man fronts, this guy isn't going to be amazing. Right. Like amazing. If you're defending that passing game, which I think you still have to, you better. Yes. Zeke should be loving this. So here's the deal. If Zeke gets fewer touches, that shouldn't crush him because if it's fewer touches but touches against seven man, you know, a different fronts, he yep. saw eight guys in the box 20% of the time last year. <laughs> Not to go crazy analytical on you. Oh, no, talk but about he, it. But so this is a guy, so they're, they're not, they have the right running back. If, if week to week, they're not feeding him, and it becomes a distraction, then we'll revisit it. But I'm not there yet. No, I'm not there yet either. And I just strongly believe that when you got a running back like this, AR, and you know this because you had one in Adrian Peterson, when they get the roll, mm-hmm. man, you just get out of the way because, one, not only can it slow the game down, it gives your defense a break and all that stuff, but you're wearing on this defense, man. So come third, fourth quarter, when you're built like Zeke, when you've got that power and that long speed to take it to the house, some of these guys are going to be making business decisions. But I, the other angle of this that I think is really interesting when it comes to Zeke being the bell cow back down there in Dallas is, well, if they're not going to tote the rock a ton with him, he better be involved with the passing game because he's shown that he could do that. When you talk about this guy's got 189 career receptions already in, in the league and he just got drafted in 2016, that's an element that you absolutely have to explore more. 
But this conversation, while we're talking about about Zeke AR, it's all going to be on Dak, right? That's the biggest deal is what is Dak Prescott going to do? Because you're playing on this tag, and this this reminds me so much of the Kirk Cousins situation in Washington. It's pretty telling when an NFL franchise does not hand over the bag to their quarterback because you don't mess around with those guys. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty black and white that I'm not saying that they don't fully believe in him, but you look at this squad and all the money that they have handed out, even just this offseason in the last couple of years, he's looking around saying, or I would be looking around saying, okay, well, we have a pretty good relationship, but they don't love me as much as these other franchises. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how that unfolds. I think you and I are in lockstep with Zeke right now. We know what we're going to get from him if he gets the amount of touches. We just don't know what Mike McCarthy is going to cook up. But this whole Dak thing, man, it's so intriguing this year because they got a squad that they think can hoist up that trophy. But if Dak is, it's a do or die situation with him. And I know we'll talk about this a ton going into the next offseason, but do you tag him again for $37 million or whatever that number is? I don't know. But a lot of this is going to fall on number four down there in Jerry's world. Yeah. I, I come back to if I'm paying a guy a million dollars a game, yeah, he's getting the ball. All right, and so and if and if, if and me as the owner, I will make sure that my coach understands that. Now I hired him to coach. I get it, and not all game plans have to be the same. But if Zeke doesn't get north of 270 touches this year, it's a failure. Yes. Now do I do I need him to get 300 plus in this offense? Probably not. I'm also also trying to manage wear and tear on my million dollar a game back or whatever he is. I'm sure it's yeah. close to that, and so. That's kind of where I stand on on Dallas right now. Give me 275 carries and still get me the 12, 1,300 yards. I'll still get him in the end zone when we get in the red zone or inside the five, and he'll catch 50-plus passes. Right, like yeah. I, don't, I don't think any of this is, is off right now. Are those guys going to steal some targets? Of course they are. Yeah. It, of course they are, but I, I would be surprised I, that if Zeke becomes an afterthought. And really quick, because I know we got some guys yeah. that we'll t- we'll talk about next mm-hmm. that you know we think have stuff to prove. But you mentioned Jerry Jones, Ar. Remember, you and I talked about that story when Jerry Jones drafted C.D. Lamb. He didn't have to do it on his amazing yacht. <laughs> he gave him the number eighty-eight. He forced the number mm-hmm. eighty-eight on him. And Jerry is one of these guys that hits me as he wants to show off his new toys. And so he's got a new head coach down there. But the pick of C.D. Lamb, Jerry's going to want to show the world why he got that pick right. So that's another thing I would just put in our back pocket to keep our eye on is that in, while we're talking about Dallas is the development of C.D. Lamb and how much Jerry Jones kind of maybe gets in the, gets in the coach's ear about, hey, you know what? Feed my guy that I would have, that we drafted that's now rocking an historical number uh, for our franchise. He's just put more pressure on him, so I didn't. I didn't understand. That's fine. He just put more pressure on him. Like I didn't think he was going to take over Gallup's number two role. Did you right away? I didn't. Gallup so, was great last year. That's what I mean. Yards. So they, yeah. people are like, come on, like that guy's not a throwaway. The other thing about this to think about is, well, C.D. Lamb and I love. See, you heard me talking about him a lot before yep. the draft. Let's just all be. Let's take a reality check. He's leveling up here. He's not. He's not going up against Big Twelve defenses. Correct. He's going up against the NFL defenses. Yep. So let's find out. Now he's got other weapons to pull attraction away from him. Mm-hmm. It should be good. They have Zeke. Like that's the game plan. Yes. Who's the hot man? Who's the open man? It doesn't have to be like that's team sports. I don't have to just because. And I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll contradict myself here just for a half a second. 
just because a guy gets paid a certain amount doesn't mean he has to get it. You have to dictate how the defense is showing. If they're loading up the box, then we're going somewhere else. If that's they're it. not, we're going to him. That's yeah. a coach's job. That's that's yep. why I'm paying my coach, so he can make adjustments during a game. But a dude coming out of the Big 12, torching those defenses, and everybody Love. thinks, snap their fingers, the same thing's going to happen in the NFL? He's a wait-and-see guy. It's not that yep. he won't get drafted high in fantasy, <laughs> and he won't have a decent year. But right. let's talk when we come back what we think a decent year is for him. Let's project him a little bit. Okay. And like then the it. other guys, because this, this is 2020's the year of the comeback, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. been the year of the COVID, but it's the year of the comeback <laughs> in the NFL. We'll talk about that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. <laughs> it's a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> Straight facts. Straight facts, homie. Right here. Straight. Rothman oh, and Ice. Historical How about that for a rejoin? <laughs> Straight facts, homie. I like it. Uh, Notre Dame. The Golden Dome. You know, I was coming back from Chi-Town in... When did I go, Maddie? June, I think, for Father's Day? Yeah, Yeah, okay. So I was coming back for Father's Day, and been a long time, and I can't even remember. I was coming back, and I took a different way. I took, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a a slow roll back back home. Columbus is home, but you know, my original home. Yeah. And and I decided not to go 70 to 65 and and go that way. I decided to go the toll road. You know, I went up through. I just decided I'm going to go up through Fort Wayne. I'm going to pass Lima. Big mistake. Lima's great. Believe me. I just going around it with all going through it and then trying to navigate your way with bridges that are out and all that crap. What a mistake. Like I was cursing myself. Like you ever see that when you're driving in the car and you can just you can swear so loud you hurt your own eardrums. Like that was me. Right. And so. Um, and your nav's not getting you out of that. Your nav's not getting you out of that mess because they don't know about out bridges and things like that. Like they I love that you're rolling with nav, some, by the way. I love nav. In, well, I don't. I think it, it could take you in the circles that you don't want to go in. <laughs> and so I was coming back, and, and I was taking that slow roll on Sunday. I'm like, you know what? It's COVID year. It's the middle of summer. Yeah. Nobody's in South Bend. Just swing over to the Golden Dome. Just Just have a little Rudy moment, you know? And then I said, yeah, you'll probably go back in August. Just do it then. You know, you make a five and a half, make a six hour trip, seven or six forty five. You know, I'm like, so I bailed on it and I don't know who knows when I'll get back if I ever go by there again. But you know, you're driving right by and it's only like 10 minutes off the expressway. <clears throat> um, I say that to say this, uh, now that they're back, I, I'm not going back. Uh, it would have been better to go in the dead of summer. Yeah. Notre Dame traces more than 50 coronavirus cases to off-campus party. Uh, this is what we knew was going to happen. Kids coming back, kids not caring, can't affect me. Okay, maybe I'll wear a mask as long as it's cool looking. Like it, it's, it's, this is, and I'm not, I'm not killing them. I, I would have done probably the same thing. I mean, what are we trying to tell these 18, 19, 20 year olds to, you're going back to college, but it's got to be like you're in the army. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, we know that this the cases were going to balloon. They were going to balloon. And 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 that's why I think the people that want football are like, wait a minute. So you don't care about the regular student? Oh, well, the regular student, you can just tell to social distance, and they will? Yeah. On the contact sport, that's contact, so I get it. But these students aren't going to be bumping into each other in dorm room. <laughs> like, come on, they're, they're congregating on their own. Whatever little bubbles they're creating or... Um, so anyway, Notre Dame's, you're next on the list. You're, yeah. you're, you're getting counted today. 
not surprising. AR and a, you know we've touched on it. And like you said, college kids are going to be college kids. They're, they're they're back away from their parents and all that stuff back around their friends or whatever the case may be, and they want to go out and have a good time. I get it. There's obviously risk involved that they should be aware of, but um, no, I'm not going to sit here. I never was going to sit here and expect college kids to sit up, go from class to their dorms, and that's going to be their whole semester. That that's not a real thing. We know how we all were thinking between 18 and 22 years old. You want to go out and have a good time. All right. Zip through real. I know. I know. We don't want to zip. We can either delay this, or we could zip through at least a couple dudes that we feel like are on our list to watch. Why don't we knock out one yeah. now? Maybe circle yeah. back a little bit later. Maybe I know give D- me your number one. Okay, I know that DJ CB has got a track for us that he wants to drop. So if yeah. you're ready, DJ, go ahead and do that. that. I- I'm starting the AFC North AR, and I- I'm going to go with Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's got a lot to mm-hmm. prove this year because I think we go back to 2018. He was absolutely incredible. The dude AR had 166 targets, caught 111 balls for 1,400 yards. But then we get the last year, right? He only saw 70 targets and only 42 receptions. I know he didn't play in all the games, and I know there was bad quarterback play. But the reason why I'm throwing Juju into this mix is it's put up for shut-up time. He's entering the last year of his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. He's got Big Ben back in the mix. Now, I know he's coming off the Tommy John injury. We don't know what that's going to look like, especially for quarterbacks. But Juju, let's see it, man, because I think he has the potential to potentially be a number one wide receiver, but I don't know, mm-hmm. because when you're playing alongside a Hall of Fame receiver and Antonio Brown, you're going to have those opportunities that you had in 2018. For me, AR, it's now time for him to show that he can be that dog on the outside that Pittsburgh needs. I think it's a great name because it was an, an an abject failure after he lost Ben and he got injured himself and no Antonio Brown, and I think you nailed it there. I think that Ben throwing the football for me is the number one. I can't believe we both went with Steelers here, but I think it, it makes sense. And I almost had another dude ahead of Ben Roethlisberger yeah. as my most intriguing comeback player because I know Ben wants to write his final ending. Any great athlete would. Uh, the question marks around your guy, Smith Schuster, uh, whether he can – really go on the outside as a number one without Antonio Brown um, is is a good one. But Ben Roethlisberger, the shoulder surgery at 38, yeah, he's played all 16 only four times, I think, in, in, in 16 years. So is he a 4K passer with that receiving core? Can I get his touchdown interception ratio back to, you know, to 2 to 1? Yep. Can I get a 26 to 13 type situation out of him? Um, depending on how much he really plays, that's the guy for me. It's. I, like it. I was going to go Cam, but I know we'll talk about this a little more. Yeah. But to me, it's Roethlisberger. I think it changes the whole division if he holds up. I like it, it. It takes them from an afterthought to a real threat, and it makes the Browns and the Ravens wake up a little bit if Ben no is back to who he needs to be. I like it, and we'll get into more maybe a little later because i got a couple other guys they are I want to run by you, but I love the Big Ben thing. I think the Steelers you know, themselves are very polarizing as far as what we're going to get because you saw it last year. Their defense was lights out, man. When they made that trade to get uh, well, Mika Fitzpatrick, they brought him up. This defense was it looked a little bit like the Steel Curtain, dare I say, but their offense just couldn't do anything. So now that they have Big Ben back, and we mentioned Juju should be healthy and ready to roll with that defense, Let's see what they can put piece together because you're right. If Big Ben is the Big Ben of O where he's slinging the rock around scaring defenses, it definitely puts the Browns and Ravens on a little bit of notice. A lot of guys entering 2020 as a prove-it year. We'll bring Matt Verderam into that conversation next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. NFL is going to give this a go. 
I think we're all confident that's going to happen. Matt Verderam with us at Fansided. Jumps on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan get Guest Hotline. And Matt, welcome back. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we've got some prove-it years, right, for a lot of guys this year. And uh, Maddie and I just about talked about Big Ben and Juju Smith-Schuster. And, of course, this division is a bunch of prove-it, right? It's Baker. It's Odell Beckham Jr. Um, when you think about, you know, got Cam, of course. Um, when you think about Baker Mayfield and the offense that he has now and the the summer of no talking, kind of a coming off the humble year, is there a player that – is under more intense focus than he is heading into this year into year three? I, I don't think so. I, I think he would probably top my list, and I think you're right. There's a lot of guys in that division. You know, the Bengals maybe don't quite have that because they're just trying to get their footing again. But I would argue that all three of those teams, otherwise, really do have that. I, certainly, Big Ben coming off the elbow injury, Baker, and the Browns. People forget this. Now they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated's NFL Preview magazine. They, you know, he did this big feature in the summer in GQ where he was pretty brash, and it was a disaster. I mean, they, he was he was terrible. So they now are looking at him and saying, "Okay, you have another head coach, which isn't really fair to the kid in the sense he's had three head coaches in three years. What are you going to do? They, they had to move on from Kitchens. Uh, I would expect that they're going to run the ball more under Stefanski, so that should help open up some play action." Stefanski ran a lot of two tight end personnel groupings in Minnesota. Obviously, Cleveland with Hooper and Joku can do the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's, I would and, and to just build on. I think even Baltimore, they have a situation where they're going to win something in January. Uh, Jackson is an MVP. He was great last year. He deserved the award going away, but he's got plenty to prove. I and mean, if, if they don't win anything in January, they're going to be hearing about it. So it's a very interesting division. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Matt. And we were all talking about Dallas a little earlier too, and just Zeke throwing out some things that he feels like he's got some stuff to prove to the football world. But I want to ask you about this offense because I mean, you know how it was cranked up to be when Jerry put together that offensive line that went from Demarco to Zeke. But now we've got this kind of fancy new set of toys to play with on the outside. Amari gets his money, and now you go ahead and bring in Lamb. How do you think that should work under Mike McCarthy in that new look offense down there in Dallas? They should be very, very good. Uh, I expect McCarthy, after sitting out a year, to come in with some, some more wrinkles. But in Green Bay, it got stale. Anyone who watched the Packers pretty much knew that any time they needed a play, they were going to run a slant-flat combo and just hope that somebody got open or Rodgers could gun one in there. And, heck, it worked more often than it didn't for a long period of time. But I would expect that McCarthy is going to be a little more flexible this offense. You're going to have to be. Prescott is not Aaron Rodgers, especially Rodgers in his prime. He's a very good player, but it's a different skill set. So I expect them to be dynamic. I think it's still got to be an offense that even in 2020, you're going to have to go through Zeke, whether it's throwing the ball to him out in the flat, obviously having it off to him 300 times. But they've got Lamb. They've got Cooper. They've got Gallup. Not a great tight end on the roster. I don't think Blake Charlin scares anybody. But I would expect them to be right at the top. Last year, they led the league in yardage. I think they'll be in the top five again. And they're going to have to be because that defense lost Byron Jones. Gerald McCoy goes down at the torn quad yesterday. So they're going to have to score a lot of points if they're going to win that division. Uh, let's talk about Jadavion Clowney because, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be the gem of the free agency class. And uh, the fact he's unsigned and nothing's materialized yet. Do you anticipate something happening here? Uh, he had a couple of really good seasons over the past two years. 
Where do you have him amongst edge rushers in this league and guys that can get after it? And is there a market for him, or did he just misplay his hand? He grossly misplayed his hand. And this goes back to when the Texans tagged him a year ago, and I remember talking to a couple sources uh, with knowledge of that whole situation. They said, look, he's not going to get $20 million a year. It's just not that player. And I think most people in the league – uh, at least quite a few people in the league, thought you know, it made $15 million a year or something like that. Then he goes to Seattle, and he played well. If you watch the tape, he did play well, but he had three sacks. No general manager in the league is going to pay him 15 or $20 million a year after he had three sacks and he was injured again. It's just not going to happen. And I think if he had gone out and realistically said, you know, look, I'm looking for four years, $55 million, something like that, he might have overshot it even then a little bit, but he probably could have found some team to bite, maybe a team early in free agency that had some money to spend. So, okay, we'll, we'll take a chance. Maybe we'll follow the guaranteed money. At this point, he's going to get a one-year deal no matter where he goes. So it, it just becomes a question of how long is he willing to wait and what teams want him. I, I think he's a good player. I think at times he be a very good player when you talk about setting the edge against the run, getting pressure. I believe he was 10th in the league in pressures last year. But do I look at him as a guy who's like on the level of like a Coyle Mack or even Demarcus Lawrence at the top of his game or Frank Clark? No, he's not. And those guys are getting paid 20-plus million. So I, I don't think Clowney – Clowney's never had 10 sacks in a season. At some point, if he wants to get paid like an elite player, he's got to beat one. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I agree with you. Talking to Matt Verderam covers the NFL for fan side. And Matt, I want to head down to Tampa. And a lot of the attention obviously has been on the additions of, you know, Tom and Gronk and the weapons on the outside. And even the tight ends have been getting a ton of love. And rightfully so. On paper, it looks great. But the one thing, Matt, that I haven't been hearing a ton about is this running game. And what are your expectations for the running game down there in Tampa Bay? Because we know we had James White, nice little passing back down in New England for years. But these Tampa Bay running backs, what do you expect them to bring to the table? I think there's a big question. I think you hit the nail on the head. The offensive line is a little bit of a question, especially at the tackle position. Donovan Smith's a good young player. Um, but you look at that line, there are some question marks. But as far as the running backs go, last year I, I was told by someone down there, hey, look, we think Ronald Jones is going to have a breakout year. Well, he didn't. He didn't have a breakout year. And now he goes into year three as a second-round pick at USC. He's got to produce. I think that offense, especially with Arians running the show, they are going to be an aerial circus. They're going to throw the ball 40-plus times. But you're right in the sense that if you look at Brady over the last handful of years, it's been about Edelman, it's been about Gronk, it's been about White. And it hasn't been about the receivers in New England. Some, some of that due to... They just didn't have very good ones. But Brady's never been a guy outside of a couple of years when Moss was at his peak in New England where he was just going to chuck the ball downfield. And that, to me, is the interesting thing. I do not think they're going to be able to run the ball very well. And so they do have uh, some good tight end play there. Obviously, Gronk comes in. you got a guy like Cameron Bray. But I just wonder, Evans is at his best when the quarterback's chucking it 50 yards and letting them go make a play one-on-one, let him box out a defender. Jameis, who's never afraid to throw the ball into traffic, did that all the time. Brady does not do that. Will he do it now at 43 years old? I, I think he will have to do it. I don't think he's going to have much of a choice. He's going to have to trust his guys a little bit. But it's a weird situation. That's a team with a lot of moving parts. And with no preseason, no OTAs, no mini camp. I think that they'll be fine in, in the long haul. But they're, they're playing a little catch-up early on.
Right, let me hit you with one more quarterback uh, and get your insight on this before we cut you loose. Josh Allen, um, is he under the same amount of pressure? I don't even know. I mean, his team is is right there. Um, we all, you know, Brady's out of the division. Your thoughts about his numbers? I know from a fantasy standpoint, people really love him. Obviously, he can run. So give me your assessment on Josh Allen this year, what he will be. I think Josh Allen is going to be about the 20th best quarterback in the NFL. And it's not because he doesn't have talent, but he's not accurate. And at some point, if you look at the history of quarterbacks coming in from college to the NFL, if you don't complete 60% of your throws in college, you don't do it in the NFL. And Allen's a guy who, despite having a huge arm, he's one of the least accurate downfield passers in the game, statistically speaking. They have a guy in John Brown who's a burner, and Diggs is going to help them. And he'll help him because Diggs will get himself open all the time. So I think Allen's better. And he's the kind of guy, if you catch him on the wrong day as a defensive coordinator, he could be a major problem. But I don't think he's consistent. I think the Bills are the best team in that division. I think they will win that division. But I think it's largely going to be on the backs of a good ground game, some play action, a top-five defense, and a really good coach. I think the Bills are good. I don't think he's under the same amount of pressure as Mayfield, only because with the Browns, it has just been so long since they were relevant, where the Bills have gone to the playoffs two of the last three years. But certainly, look, if Allen's not good and they don't win that division, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be hearing it from what's a very passionate fan base up in Western New York. Yeah, now that he has Stephon Diggs, and they just give him more reason to make to to know that he has to have a, a better season. And you're right, his deep passing completion rate is was god awful. Great insight from national NFL reporter at FanSided. He is Matt Verder. And Matt, thanks for jumping on, buddy. We will reach out again soon. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Yep, Matt was on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Really good stuff there. Okay. When we come back, Alex Gleitman from Buckeye Scoop. The latest boom for Ohio State. We'll tell you what it means. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, as we do the show now, no football, but it doesn't keep the booms from coming for Ohio State. Just the reverberations just aren't as uh, shaky around here, but... Our Buckeye Insider from Buckeye Scoop is Alex Gleitman. He's on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Alex, welcome. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for jumping on with us. I know it's been a busy day, and we get a kid out of uh, suburban Kansas, out of Overland Park, Desan McCullough. His commitment announced this afternoon. Tell us what you can about this dude and how he, he expects to impact the Ohio State defense in the future. Yeah, as, as he as he told us, uh, you know, if you have a chance, go to Buckeye Scoop, check out. We did a video interview with him, and, and I asked him that exact same question, and I think he just brings a different type of player at the linebacker position that Ohio State has had in quite some time. He's about 6'5", 225 right now. He expects to be about 240 pounds by the time he gets to Ohio State in, in uh, winter of uh, 2022. He's going to be an early enrollee. Um, and he's a guy who he thinks at that size will be able to still run a 4.5 40-yard dash. So I think you're talking about a kid who's played safety for a lot of his high school career. He moves like a safety. I think very similar to Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, who just got drafted this year. He's just a, a, a 
very physically imposing type of guy who will line, line up at linebacker, but is someone who could you, you can use to drop in coverage, uh, you know, almost as a safety. You can use him in man against the tight end or running back. You can have him rush the passer using his speed and quickness as well as his size off the edge. So just a ton of versatility this kid brings uh, to, the, to the defense at Ohio State. And Al Washington and Kerry Combs are both salivating at, at all the different things they can do with both him and another guy who's very versatile, C.J. Hicks, who's also committed in this class. Uh, having those two guys lined up across from each other at linebacker is going to be pretty impressive. Alex, I am. Thanks for hopping on. I'm a grad of Pickerington North, so I cannot bring you on and not ask you about Jack Sawyer. He made a decision um, to bounce out of Pick North and kind of gear up for what could be a spring season. Just the player um, himself, Jack Sawyer. What do you think he could bring to the table on the defense eventually? Yeah, I, I you know, Bill Bank Green on our site always calls uh, calls Jack the third Bosa, um, jokingly, and I think that that's spot on. I think. You know, Jack is a guy who is college-ready right now. Um, you know, if he had to line up and play for Ohio State this fall, I don't think uh, anyone would, would blink an eye. Um, he's, he's physically there. He's got a high football IQ, a tremendous motor. He is uh, exactly like what I think Nick and Joey Bosa gave Ohio State, an immediate impact guy who could play in the rotation in year one, uh, will be a star in year two, uh, years two and three, and then off to the NFL. And so – uh, you pair that that type of physical talent, the work ethic he has with the high character kid uh, that he is, and I think you know you just have another superstar in the making uh, to follow. I guess uh, probably Zach Harrison. There's a number of other good, obviously, defensive ends on the roster right now, but he is definitely next up at Ohio State as far as being a big time defensive end who's going to uh, be a big time NFL player, in my opinion. Alex Gleitman with us from Buckeye Scoop on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Okay, we all know Ohio State football is a behemoth, and, and you know one lost season is not going to sink this program. We know that. And I will just ask it this way. We really don't know what's going to happen, but do you see any collateral damage if Big Ten doesn't play this year as far as that does for recruiting? If the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 get to go and they're successful doing that, the impact in your mind is what? Yeah, I don't think it's good. Um, I think that Ohio State – will take a, a, a little bit of a hit and will definitely see some negative recruiting out there regarding this decision. I think they've already seen it. I, I've, talking to, I've talked to many recruits, and, and they've told me that programs across the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 have already started to hit them up, um, kind of putting things in their ear and whatnot about how, you know, the Big Ten's not looking after their best interests and things like that. It will be interesting, of course, if all the other conferences do follow suit for, the, for Ohio State and the other Big Ten schools to say, actually, they, they did have your interest. Uh, and in safety and health, uh, top of mind before anyone. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a mixed bag of goods. Does it work for some kids? You know, does that type of pitch work for some kids uh, with those other schools? It, it could, but there's kids like Desan McCullough who told me that he actually, despite the decision which he was disappointed in, he saw the way that Ryan Day and the rest of the staff and the players are all fighting for each other, and he really, that resonated with him. And, you know, he, he did sense that they are a genuine family type of environment. And so, I think it can go both ways, but I don't think it is a good thing. I'm not sure it's going to set Ohio State back 5, 10, 15 years like some people are suggesting, but I do think it will be a little bit of a minor setback considering how much momentum they had um, before really everything with coronavirus kind of set into effect. 
um, but certainly before the Big Ten decided to cancel the fall season. Alex, a lot of people were excited when Travion Henderson decided to hop on board and bring his talents here to Columbus. If and when he does get to Columbus and if and when we do get college football back, do you think he is the type of freshman that when he gets here can make an impact right away? Um, yeah, I, I do think he can. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the eligibility if they don't uh, play any sort of season in the fall or spring because does a guy like Trey Sermon come back? Because um, yeah. he would have another year of eligibility. And, and if he comes back, you, you know, you're probably going to have Master Teague back and you're going to have a healthy Marcus Crowley and you have Steel Chambers and you have Mayan Williams. So there's a lot of guys right there that will be healthy and back and ready to go. And, and so, uh, I mean, obviously, other than Trey, I, I think all those guys were expected back. But Trey's a pretty good one. And I think that that will definitely take some, some snap opportunities away from a guy like Trevion Henderson or a guy like Evan Pryor coming in. But I think he's just too good of a talent. Um, he's too athletic, he's too explosive to not see some sort of action. I think they're going to definitely want to get him ready for at least year two to potentially be the guy or have a chance to be the guy. So just like Zeke Elliott, Zeke Elliott obviously may be the best running back in the NFL right now. He didn't start as a true freshman. I don't think that that's necessarily an indication of, um, you know, what's to come for Travion, but I do think he will see some sort of action. He just may get a little less opportunity if a guy like Trey Sermon does come back with an extra year of eligibility. Buckeye Insider Alex Gleitman here from Buckeye Scoop. Please check them out. Uh, they've got the McCullough Impact. Hassan McCullough uh, committing today to Ohio State. They have it, and they have all the interview for the freakish athlete that he is. You'll want to listen to that at Buckeye Scoop. So, Alex, we appreciate you jumping on, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, Alex. Alex was on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. So Al Washington and his crew rolling still, even though everyone's got this bittersweet feel about, you know, getting a big recruit for the future yet. Yeah. You know, everyone's in, everyone was in the mind of the present, right? I mean, we, yeah, all these booms happening, start rolling out all these recruits, but the conveyor belt just, you know, hit stop mm-hmm. on Ohio State for the moment. So, but you got one there that we'll be talking about hopefully for years to come. When we come back, Sports Center update top of the hour. We dive into the third hour. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Sports Center. Good afternoon, I'm Timmy Hall, like you heard Alex Gleetman right there on the show on Rothman and Ice. Big boom for Buckeye football, so things still in motion despite the Big Ten season. Still canceled at this hour. Desan McCullough commits to the Bucs 2022 defensive hybrid player. His dad is the Chiefs running backs coach. McCullough has been around a lot of interesting dudes in his football career as a youngster. The parents of some Big Ten football players not going quietly into the night like Randy Wade, Sean Wade's dad. He's part of a group of parents heading to Chicago planning a peaceful protest for Friday morning outside the commissioner's office. In baseball, no Reds Royals tonight. That game is postponed third one in a row for Cincy. They will play a doubleheader tomorrow and action in the NBA bubble. Magically, the Bucks 20 to 19. This one brought to you by BMI Federal Credit Union. During these difficult times, BMI Credit Union is here to make your financial life easy. Go to BMIFCU.org. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. Oh, the deep dive. Maddie does the deep dive. You know, Cannonball uh, deep, City, baby. Yeah, the deep dive is the jackets, man. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a deeper dive because I want to scratch some of the surface, you know, more than the surface, you know, try to detail this hockey game out and see what we're looking at here. They're down 3-1. Everybody knows that. Uh, two minutes into the game, they're throwing everything there. Zach makes a great move, throws it on net. Borky's there for the easy putback. It's one nothing, and you're like, yes, this is how you come out of the gate. Yeah. And then it's, you know, hold the phone, offsides on tech, so you dominate the first period and no score. You know, they go into the room, and, and, and you just have this. It's not a sinking feeling as a Jacket fan. It's just one of those, wait, again, you're going to dominate the first and have nothing to show for it? Yeah. And I'm okay if you just settle into the second. 15 seconds in, you get a weird play. Corpy goes behind the cage to play it, rings it around. Tampa's just flying in on the forecheck. Gabby loses a little bit of a battle there on the wall. They keep the puck alive. Savard comes in with a big check. Yanni Gord with a really nice play, kind of batting the puck right before Savard can lay the lumber on him. You get a little flutter by there on the puck. Goudreau gets enough of it to score. And now it's one nothing. And all I kept thinking was, that's the kind of goal we need to score. Like they stole your identity. Big four check, lucky bounce, dude crashing the cage. Like that's our goal. Yeah. Um, Yanni Gord again in the crease. It's been that way all series. And I want to ask you just, about that. Yeah. Just uh, we got to get him out of there. Uh, the second goal well, came. He's, Jenner, right, he's right there in the yeah, crease. Jenner slides around the back of the net to try to get position. He's late. Puck comes flying in, and that's as simple as a deflection as you can get. That's not on Corpy. Um, four on four, we finally start giving them a taste of their own medicine. Cam to the blue of the crease. He becomes a factor. It's just enough of a problem for Anderson, and now you got a two-one game again. Final minutes of the second. Tampa's on that power play. Corpy is God again. Like he he has been God in this series. He's been that good. And so, you know, third period, you get an early power play for us. Kalorn comes flying underneath PLD. He's racing below the line, and it's a bang-bang play. You cannot push him there. There has to be more discipline on PLD there. It's a mistake in a split second. And I and playing results here is tough yep. for me. Because it is a fast game, and Klorn made a great move. And whether PLD was just playing hockey there, but it's too dangerous near the wall, and there goes the rest of your power play. Now, he had a chance to make amends. He comes flying in on the right side. Flying is the operative word here, if you couldn't tell. And because these teams were going end-to-end the entire game. And he tries for that far post above the stick, and I think he grazed post. But, you know... Close yeah. only counts, you know, horseshoes and hand grenades, yeah. and this isn't it. Yeah. 107 left in the game, you're going six on five, and you get too many men on the ice, and now you're done. So we sit here on a 2-1 game, Tampa again, over three on the power play, but I've said it before, they actually don't need one to survive. We do. Right. We outshoot them. We kill them on faceoffs. Corpy only 20 saves, but some of them were like God. So Tampa has four lines that they roll, 6-D, they're deep. They're talented. That third line, this is what they did after we swept them last year. Yeah. Blake Coleman, acquired for essentially two first-rounders, complete player. Should he have cost that much to acquire someone who kind of hovers around 20 goals and never cracked 40 points in a season? I don't know, but they love him now. Lightning traded for Barclay Goudreau. He right. was right there. in the Tampa gives up another first-round pick there, too. They made move because of what happened last year. And it's rearing its ugly head in this series, Maddie. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I want to go back to a little bit. I love that breakdown there. AR, that was good stuff, brother. I want to go back to the first period, man, because you just talk about yesterday. That was big for me is how are they going to come out? I wasn't questioning the effort, the mentality. I knew these guys would be ready to roll. We threw it out there. I like that, you know, Torts gave them a day to get ready, let their bodies recover. And I thought it probably paid off a little bit for them. But you're talking about 530 to go there in that first period. You're out shooting Tampa 8-2. to two. That's, that's all I wanted, man. That's all I wanted was for them to impose their will on that end of the ice because I thought in the game before they spent way too much time, Tampa did, down there in our zone. I thought the guys did a pretty good job, man, effort-wise and really kind of controlling the puck. They're early, and in the first period, we won all 11 face-offs. Won them them all. Like, that's crazy. I don't know how many times you've seen that before, but that was rare to see. So I, I did like some of the stuff there on the offensive end of the ice there early. But you're talking about those opportunities, the puck luck that you got to get, and it didn't go our way. And I just go talk about those goals that were chipped in there against Corpy there. I thought he played well again, man. I mean, this dude to me has oh, been so impressive. Understatement. What he's been able to do this season, coming back, f- scratching and clawing, Take it, winning the job, however that went down between he, Elvis, and Torres, but whatever it is that Corpy's got going on right now, it's got to make you feel good as a Blue Jackets fan because I don't know what the future is going to look like, which goal he's going to be to do long term, whatever. But the way Corpy is playing right now, if we can sprinkle in down in the you know next couple of years some offensive pieces that can spark more so than what we've seen recently over the last two seasons, now we're cooking, man. Now we're cooking. But this guy, to me, you talk about that sequence there where he has that right pad all the way out there. I, I, I wrote it down. I said, I don't know how the heck they mm-hmm. didn't score their AR on that power play. No. I have no yeah. idea. You talk Johnson, about the left yeah. side of that goal. There's plenty of daylight there. He gets his attention back over there. He does a split, and then away we go. So, yeah. Yeah, there were obviously some things that were very encouraging from this game. It's just when we can, when you look at some of these numbers, Darren, you're out shooting this team late in the game still, but you look up at the board and you're down, it can be deflating. And I think maybe it hit me a little bit early on, AR, when they ripped that goal off the board from us. And you talked about oh, it, man. Yeah. I'm feeling oh. good. I'm yelling, let's go. I'm pump fisting in the room. And I'm saying, here we go. This is the formula that works for this Blue Jackets club. But unfortunately, this stupid replay rule that they implemented yeah. uh, ripped it away so yeah i think there's some encouraging things but there were also some things you can't have you talk about those penalties uh, from pld i'm with you man like i love the aggressive nature that he brings i love the physicality that he brings to the table but we got to lock in and be a little smarter in those moments when we need you on this yeah you you keep pumping that fist big boy uh it's it there's a lot to like there except the result that was it it's yep. it's not this isn't a, a 7-1 game like we saw in the nhl last night this isn't an embarrassment this isn't uh torts having to go to that podium trying to make excuses or for an embarrassing embarrassing you know showing that's a really good showing against a really good team that's yeah. it it's it's there's just, there's no i was talking to my brother last night there is such a small margin of error for the Columbus Blue Jackets. You need a goalie to be on his head like Corpy's been. You need to somehow, you know, you can't cash into the power play. That's not working. Five on three, you couldn't score. You got unlucky with a post. Cam, just not getting enough separation on a breakaway. That could have changed the series. Uh, These last two first periods could have changed the series. Uh, I'll say it again, like I said yesterday. Tampa played reckless. They played undisciplined. The Jackets didn't make it backfire. That's your job to make that backfire. Yeah. And it, and it, we don't have, and here's the other thing. I think Tampa knows they can do it. Like when you're playing a team that is so bad on the power play, 
why wouldn't you take more chances? Mm -hmm. Because even if you do get caught and go to the box, you think you can kill off two minutes because you're dealing with a team that scores on it like 10% of the time. So that's, that's it. It's, they have more ability to take chances. Now the good news for them, which has maybe been undersold, but I'm glad you brushed on it is their goaltender. It's last year's Vezina winner. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not making excuses here. I didn't come into this series thinking that it was an entitlement to win. I knew we had the recipe that could win it yeah. again. The yeah. other thing is you add the vengeance factor. I think Tampa really wasn't thinking all off season. We hope, we pray, we meet them again. Right. Right. Like I know, and I know we're a, we're a different team. We know that we have less right. firepower. Like they added pieces that I told you with with uh, Goudreau and Coleman. Mm-hmm. Like they added pieces, and we lost pieces. Yeah. Now. We've gotten great young talent in the pipeline that's on display right now. We're watching the future develop. We are. And so that's also good news for the Jackets. But you thought going into the bubble and, again, it was just get in and then take your chances. I don't want to wash away what they did against Toronto. That's a great – they were an underdog going to that series too. The fact that they choked away game four and found a way to win game five – I'm sorry that that's taking a back seat right now, but it has to because you're still in this thing. And I'm not also showering dirt on them completely. Like, do I know that it's a 15 to 1 shot or worse? It's worse. That's what Vegas has given you 15 to 1. It's probably double that. What the realistic odds of them coming back 3 1 against this team? It probably should be more like 30 to 1 or perhaps 50 to 1. Vegas is offering you 15 to 1. So, when I think about the goal situation, and I th- I'm glad you brought it up, because uh, you've got two guys that were extended at the same time. They gave Corpy that money, and they didn't give him nearly as much as Elvis. Um, this is probably going into what the definition of a deeper dive is. Yeah. So Elvis gets extended. He gets extended two years in, in you know last December, and he's giving like four million a year, right? Corpy gets extended, same length, starts in December, two plus years. He's your de facto number one, and he gets what? A little over $2 million a year? Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you as a Jackets fan? It tells you that the organization, organization, believes that Elvis is the future. The coach, in my mind, believes that Elvis can be the future, but Corpy is the present. And so I don't think there's a struggle. The coach, is with, the coach wins that battle, who he wants to play. Both guys were team controlled coming in. Both guys were restricted, restricted. You cannot sign both as UFAs when they come out in two years. Right. So we sit here right now as Jacket fans saying we need more information and we're going to hopefully get it next season. Yeah. Or maybe further <laughs> on in this playoff. Yeah. Not going to kill it yet. Sure. And so if my gut tells me that Yarmo gave Elvis a ton more money, then I need to pay attention to that. Yeah. And Torch said, well, I understand why he's double what the other guy's making. And by the way, don't sell this short. Elvis had a chance to own this playoff. If he slams the door on Toronto, he's starting the series against Tampa. I really do believe he is. I think they ride the momentum. The reliever comes in. Not that Corby did anything wrong. It's just that I think that you've, you, you ride that wave. It didn't happen. They had to put Corby back. Elvis gets rattled. Elvis gets dinged. Whatever's going on there. A little bit of both. Yeah. And so we sit here as Jacket fans going, you got two goalies, same term, same, not same term, same contract year. We get to see more. And is Elvis going to be a guy 
who can ask for double what he's making now if he doesn't do anything over the next two years? Of course not. Right. He could still ask for it. So this is going to be an incredible thing to watch play out over the next year or year and a half. Yeah. I think Torts is going into his last season, last contract season. And would he even be making that decision a year from now? I don't know. I hope he is on who's in net for him. Right. But if you're telling me, my gut tells me the organization is in Elvis's camp, mm-hmm. the coaching staff right now may be in both camps, and Corpy got the nod. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's a good problem to have because both guys are tremendously talented and the confidence level right now is through the roof with Corpy. But as we know, AR, follow in sports, you got to follow the money sometimes. And sometimes these organizations, no matter what sport it is, when they hand a contract to a guy and he's making the most money on that roster or in that position and group, they want to see their product out on the ice. But I think either way it goes, I think the starting point for this Blue Jackets squad is going to be, okay, you got Zach and Seth and whatever goalie is behind those guys, you'll feel confident and this is going to be a defensive team we just got to bring the offense along with it and really quick I wanted to bring this up since we're in the deeper dive what Corpy is doing right now and it's a it's a smallish sample size when you talk about his career in the playoffs but this guy's 25 years old he's only got eight games under his belt but AR he's rolling out a 95.953 save percentage and I wanted to look this up the all-time list of all playoff save percentages is 934 so there's guys that have played 25 50 games I totally understand that but what what he's doing right now is just absolutely tremendous. And we're talking about this team down with 3-1. They may be a little down in the dumps, AR. I wanted to bring something to the table for you here. My guy, Coach Herman Boone, this is the type of message that they need to hear before tomorrow's game. We're in a fight. Mm-hmm. You boys are doing all that you can do. Anybody can see that. Win or lose. We're going to walk out of the stadium tonight with our heads held high. Do your best. That's all anybody can ask for. That's it. That's it. And look, I know the wins and losses matter. I get it. But with this team, man, and what they've been through all year long with the injuries, the grinding of the first series, the five overtime game, let's just go out there and lay it on the line tomorrow. Yeah. Character up is not a problem for this team. Yeah. They got to finish up. Like, that's it. That biscuit has to go in the basket. No doubt. That's it. Yep. You got a goaltender standing on his head, an all-star goaltender. You got some veterans that need to bring it, and they need to have some finish. They have some talent. Those guys need to finish. Those are one-goal losses. They're tough to take. They're heartbreaking. They're better than blowouts, and we've just been on the on the wrong side of too many this series. Still alive. Win, treat it as one game. They always have. Get that that cliche factory. Get that Play-Doh just churning out and go play 60 minutes again and then let the chips fall where they may. If you can make it 3-2, do the same thing. No doubt. Try to force a game seven, and if you can get there, and that's the big climb, then all of a sudden the team that didn't think they'd be playing these games now has to go out there and play one again. Now, what we would be on fumes in back-to-back six or seven, I have no clue because it looks like they're finally tired. Like they're finally, like they're human beings. The robots are gone. The humans are now in. And if they get to a game seven, what they would have left besides adrenaline, I don't know. But I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. So that's their goal. Their goal, maybe not even to win a series. Go win a shift. Go win a period. Go win a game. Go try to get this thing to seven. That's it. We'll follow it tomorrow at noon. Tell the truth next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. 
All right, CB. Set him up, knock him down. All right, so this first one had a lot of arguments on social media over the weekend, but someone was bringing up the idea of which sports, professional sports accomplishment do you think you could most likely do? <laughs> score a touchdown, hit a home run, score a goal in hockey, or make a basket in an NBA game? Tell the truth. Boy, I take these in order. Um, of hardest to most likely. Uh, hardest would be to hit a home run. That's for sure. Uh, two would be probably to score a goal in hockey. Depending on, I mean, I have, you know, it was my first sport I ever played, Maddie. So I was on skates as a little guy. I should have stayed. Yeah. But back in my generation, we played everything. We didn't specialize. <laughs> um, well, and, uh, that's right. Uh, so I would go, that would be second right now. Third would be score a basket. I would say just from a height, you know, being a little bit under six foot. I mean, I'm not I, creating my own. That's going to be trouble. I mean, I could be like Ollie and Hoosier, just spot me in the corner and just pray. But I'll go with I could score the touchdown. I could line up, got pretty good hands, good receiver. I think I can get open. Not right now, but in my prime, had some okay. wheels. And I think I'd be a very disciplined route runner. And if I get, if they, if they steer the play to me, I'm going to catch that football. I like that. Are we doing like a? Are we doing a slant? What's your route on that? Go right. What's the special? One? Oh What's no, that? that's a that's a kind of a post corner. Oh, I like that's where you're mine. At. Yeah. I like where you are. To pick one, I'll, I'm going to go with this. I, I think I can hit a home run. I do. I, I've had the pleasure, if that's the word I want to use, of facing guys that throw 90 to 95, and I've seen Ooh. some crazy breaking balls and things like that. So I played a lot of baseball Ooh. in my day. I think if you give me about two months right now to really get after it, baseball wise, I can get back to my baseball swing groove and i think eventually i could pull that thing off i stand no chance on a basketball court i can't skate on ice and then in football i'm not fast enough to run away from those guys nor tall enough to jump over a cornerback so my only hope is standing in a batter's box 60 feet six inches away from a pitcher and trying to crank one out you can't handle the truth all right so last night's controversial fernando tatis jr grand slam actually tied him with rangers manager chris woodward for career home runs with 33 Tatis Jr. did it in 551 last games. Mm -hmm. But right now, just talking about the landscape of shortstops in the MLB, where would you rank him amongst the other stars? He's in the mix. He absolutely is right there at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Your guy, Francisco Lindor, probably is going to have to be number one. But with the way this guy's playing right now, he has to be in your top five shortstops, I I would think. And there's a lot of good guys out there. I love me some Trevor Story, Javi Baez. We see him in the division. I think the way he's – Yeah, no question, right? (laughs) Uh, Bregman's over, yeah, but I think for sure, when you talk about the way he's performing AR, he was a big-time prospect for them. The names, Lindor, Story, Javier Baez, he's got to be in my top five right now. Bogarts. He came off, I mean, he's a young dude, right? He's 21. Absolutely. Absolutely, he's top five. He's certainly top ten. I think he's showing more, if he's showing more discipline, I have to look at his Ks this year in the short year, and this one's a tough tough one to judge. But that, for me, is his K rate was pretty bad. And if he gets a little more disciplined at the plate, that's fine. I think his base on balls are going up this year. So that what's he hitting? Three hundred five? Like I think he's I think he's three hundred plus right now. And so that power, that speed, if he doesn't K, like when he was Kane at thirty percent, batting two sixty, that was not good. Right. But if he hangs around that area at thirty percent K rate, and he's batting three hundred plus, which we'll check on. Uh, he's certainly, I would call him, let's call him top six right now. Did you I say I know my truth? Yeah. I know my truth.
I was going to say real quick, I can get him in my top four. I can get him in my top four right now. I don't think if we're doing Story, Turner. I'm going Story. Baez, Bogarts, Lindor, I meant. Story, Story, Lindor. Baez. Yeah, Turner. And Tatis. Those are my guys. All right, so Browns running back Nick Chubb left practice yesterday to be checked for concussion. He's actually currently in the concussion protocol as of today. Should star skill players get the same treatment as quarterbacks in practice settings? I know. You just got to be smarter. That's what it is. Guys need to get hit in practice, just not awkwardly, just not stupidly. Like, that's it. I mean, that's the kind of – there's a very fine line between treating all your skill players in bubble wrap in practice – like I've got to go. Have you seen the video of this, Maddie? Yeah, I think it came. The hit came from Mac Wilson, I believe. Yeah, yeah Mac Wilson, so a high hit and whatever. Yeah. Like uh, it can't happen. It are can't, we playing? Uh, are we playing results here though a little bit? Well, or is this, what, or is this uh, negligence on the tackler? Here's what I mean by can't have. We can't have guys going up high on anybody. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to see that on your own teammates. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Ar. That you can't protect these guys that much. The quarterback, you have to. But I've also heard from football yeah. guys, Ar, that they need to get hit. They need to have right. their body get used to it before you go out there on the game. So I understand that this is troubling times for us football fans because guys are already dropping down. We've got season-ending injuries, and it always happens during training camp. I get it. But your running backs, receivers, offensive linemen, no, no, no. we got to get down there and, and grind this thing out. We need, yeah. we need to be physically ready for They're when not we face our weak one opponent. Yeah, the quarterbacks are in a the quarterback are throwing they're vulnerable right. the running back knows what's going on like he's 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 trying to deliver the blow too and be elusive he's got to be smarter about it that's all it is and i know it's, it's human nature things happen it's a contact sport guys are going to get injured let's not be stupid about it but let's not all of a sudden treat the running back like he's the quarterback yeah, no. he needs to learn how to break tackles too you calling me a liar? I ain't calling you a truther. All right, let's get one more in real quick. So Melvin Ingram isn't happy about his contract situation. You have Jadavion Clowney remaining unsigned. You have Yannick Ngakwe, who's still sitting out because he wants to be traded. Which of these situations is least likely to be cleared up by week one of the season? Ooh, that's a good one, man. And mm. all these guys are pretty good. I think I would probably take Ingram and Yannick Ngakwe before I get to Clowney. But yeah. to answer your question... I think that the one that is un- is least likely to get done cleared up is Melvin Ingram. And the reason why I went there, AR, is because they just handed the bag to Joey Bosa. Like, are they going to be ready to mm-hmm. re-up and give Melvin Ingram another huge contract? Because he's a heck of a player, man. He really is a really good player on the defensive line. That's where I think I would put that one number one because I don't know right now if the Chargers want to redo a contract and have two guys on the, that are in the same position room that are making elite money. So I'll, I'll put that one first. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Ingram not practicing. This contract this, this, this contract holdout is an interesting one. He's 31. I'm with you on that. It's probably the least likely to happen. Clowney, I think, will get a team. I just do because he's going to fold. He's got to fold. I don't understand what he's doing. I agree with you because he does have to fold. There's not enough production out there for him to sit and dig in this much. I think it's it's not good. Go out and get a one-year deal that that doesn't have a ton of money and prove it to yourself. Uh, Prove it to another team that you deserve the money that you're asking for because right now, AR, I don't think he does deserve it. Uh, We'll come back after the break. The unwritten rules of baseball. Boy, they just play whatever hand they want when they want to play it. And I know this was only one guy. And this isn't like a league deal, but it's a perception nightmare that they really don't know what they're doing when it comes to trying to promote their sport. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. 
your home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice, presented by your local Pella Window and Door Shoreham on Gemini Parkway. This is the Fan Ohio Sports Destination. There he is. Engage. Iceman, engage. Let's go. I'm here. You got me? I got you. Okay, cool. Um, let me ask you. So I think most people are going to do this story today because it's a yeah. national story. This Fernando Tatis swinging on a 3-0 count, hits a granny, Padres are up seven. Like that's some sort of insurmountable score in baseball. Like I know it's the eighth inning, but have we never seen teams come back? Ever from that? Like I, like I, I like this isn't like being up 31 with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter and you're throwing the football. Like I don't, this is not relatable. That's not anyone. And I just don't understand why baseball itself, why this manager doesn't seem to understand that. I, this isn't an exhibition game. These games count the last time I checked. Yes, sir. And these guys have decided to go and play baseball this year and get paid to do it. You manage to win. I'm, I probably lean more towards the sportsmanship side of things when it comes to sports, but this, I think that's an irrelevant angle to take. Tatis comes to the plate in the eighth inning. His team's up 10-3. Big lead. No lead is big enough in my mind in baseball. Once you're up, you know, 10 to 15 runs in the final inning. I get that, but seven runs, eighth inning. I, I understand it's, it's, 99% safe. Gets a 3-0 count. And I don't, I didn't watch this game. Was there anybody on? With bases yeah, empty? It, it, he Were hit, the bases empty? There was a couple guys on base. It was a grand slam okay. that he hit. I, I oh, okay. I'm it was sorry. A grand it slam was just home run. It was a grand slam. Yeah. Okay. So he's 3-0 with the bases juiced. They want him to take. I'm not going to attack this from a, unsportsmanlike angle. I'm going to attack this from a baseball angle because I think that's the only way I need to do it or I that that I would know how to do it. I wouldn't have wanted him swinging. Not 3-0 with the bases loaded. I wouldn't because this... I I rather put the pressure on the pitcher. If he's going to throw a get me over fastball, then that's okay. Then it's 3-1. Now we're on again. But but at 3-0 bases loaded, he probably, from a baseball standpoint, shouldn't have swung the bat. Um, it doesn't mean that he can't. I think he made the wrong baseball move. If, if he, if he swings 3-0 and they're telling him to take and he grounds out or hits a comebacker to the mound or whatever, how are we treating the story? It's a non-story, AR. Okay, but would, would it have been stupid? Well, if you're covering that team, would it have been stupid? No, I, I, I am a thousand percent in the corner of Fernando Tatis Jr. here. I couldn't believe that this was actually a story this morning when I saw mm-hmm. how upset the Rangers manager was about this because when you're these pitchers, AR are so petty. I cannot stand the mentality. Of these pitchers and these managers that just think everything has to revolve around pitchers. You guys get guys out seven out of ten times anyway. It's so hard mm-hmm. to go up there and knock one out of the park. And if you're a hitter and you know, hey, this is a count that I can do some damage in and 3-0, a lot of times you watch enough baseball. These guys mm-hmm. are just trying to get it over the plate. And I watched the pitch, AR. Mm-hmm. It was a 92-mile-an-hour fastball that wasn't mm-hmm. down the middle, by the way. It was a little out on the outer half. And mm-hmm. he goes bridge. I have no issue with it whatsoever. I have 
absolutely love it. I wish he would have pimped it and walked down the first base and really rubbed it mm-hmm. in now that I know this reaction because you're right. These are the things that rub a lot of people wrong when it comes to baseball because this yeah. should not matter. If you're the Rangers, you just take it on the chin and you try to get to the ninth inning and move on to the next day because you brought up a great point. We've seen so many leads over the last handful of years in this sport get vanished away because home runs are going through the roof mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. I can't believe this got this much attention from the Rangers manager. I think it's a complete joke that he's crying this much about something so petty when you're getting your tail whipped anyway. I can't believe I agree with are. that. I'm in, I'm, in take, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in his camp, man. I'm sorry. I I gotta, no, I, no. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on the other team has to eat that. They do. They can't cry about it. I'm only taking the side of we are definitely playing results when it comes to this story. He hit a granny. And what was cool about it is that if the pitcher thinks, and here's the great advantage, if the pitcher thinks you're 99% taking and you're not, where does the advantage go to? It goes to the hitter. Correct. And so it is a game of poker in that in that way. Now, is he swinging 3-0, bases loaded, because he can? Of course. If his team's down 10-3, to is he swinging? Of course not. Of course not, right? You well, can at least agree with me there. So you're if saying he's if, down, Pod- if he's, he's down 10 he's, 3 I think, with, I think he's definitely swinging. Why not? You think? Absolutely. Oh, because they got their because they're down 7 runs bases loaded. Take the walk. No, he's no. Got, I mean keep keep the momentum going. Take try to work try, try to, to make him walk count. a run yeah, in. I agree yeah, with make that. a 10-4. He's not swinging. He had well, the luxury of swinging cuz they were up 7. I I I am with you. And I just think that it's so frustrating to hear these things mm-hmm. go on in baseball because we just had this whole off season, right, with the bickering back and forth. We're trying to get this thing figured out, and these are the things that's going to make the sport look bad. But if you're Fernando Tatis Jr., we talked about it earlier, and you've got one of you're that one of the hottest players on the planet right now. You absolutely yeah. go do all the damage that you can. The dude's got ten home runs already on the year, AR, and I, I just it, it's just so frustrating Here, to hear. Let me, let me put a bow on yeah, this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me put a ball. Not. I want to jump in real quickly. Here's your follow-up to the Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, who said, I think there's a lot of unwritten rules that are constantly being challenged in today's game. Yeah, I didn't like it personally. You're up seven in the eighth inning. It's typically not a good time to swing 3-0. It's kind of the way we were all raised in the game. But like I said, the norms are being challenged on a daily basis. So I just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not right. I don't think we liked it as a group. That's the manager. You ready for the follow-up? Sure. The follow-up to the manager is, did your team stop trying? Why didn't you walk off the field? Was the game over? And so if he says the game isn't over, the next follow-up is, did your team stop trying? Did your pitcher stop trying to throw a strike? Or Or let me put it a better way. Did your pitcher... Stop trying to throw an effective pitch at 3-0. That's a good question. And if the answer is yes, then I'll take him for what he's saying as truth. But it's not true. Yeah. You didn't yeah. stop trying. They didn't stop trying. And that's it. That's the name of the game. And it's at every level. So while I'm sitting here going that did Tatis need to swing? Of course not. It's 3-0. The bases are loaded. Keep the pressure on the pitcher. But he saw an advantage. He had the luxury being up seven, and he thought that the pitcher would think he was taking all the way. Yep. And guess what happened? 
it backfired on the pitcher, and that's what's supposed to happen. I, I look, I think I think it's great, Ar, and I just think as a hitter, when you step in that box, I don't care if it's a scrimmage, interleague play, whatever it is. If there's somebody else out there that's competing against you, you try to do damage. I have no issue with that, Fernando Tatis. You keep pimping home yeah. runs with your blonde dreads and mm. keep doing your thing. I love it, boy. Yeah, okay. he didn't flip the bat, did he? I don't think he flipped the uh, band. But real, real yeah. quick, he's kind of the yeah. first player that makes me feel like I'm getting old because I do remember watching his dad, <laughs> which is scary. Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> you haven't seen a Rocky movie yet, but you remember his dad. All right, that's good. Uh, we'll come back. We'll do an NFL two-minute drill. The Browns coach, Kevin Stefanski, has confirmed something about one of his injured players. We'll let you know that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit MarkLevyDDS.com today. All right, back at it. NFL two-minute drill, and then we'll uh, get a little news out there about high school football. Uh, Joe Burrow feeling confident, comfortable in the Bengals' offense. It's a great sign. You knew he would come out there with that kind of energy. So the pads go on at Bengals' camp. And new experience for JB. Uh, said he felt like... He'd like to play better than he did in the session, but it felt good to get in the pads for the first time since he left LSU. Very confident, very comfortable, and those were the operative words today, Matty. Just nice and cozy and comfy in the stripes. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm expecting a nice season from Joe Burrow, AR, and I know you brought up the other day that you know they're you know monitoring AJ Green's kind of hammy situation, which isn't good news at all. But I really think that Joe Burrow, with the weapons he has around him, and can hit, have a solid year for a rookie. But on the flip side of that, AR, I've got some bad news involving the Cincinnati Bengals, and this was your old guy, cornerback Trey Waynes. He did uh, he went under the surgery table there, and he's got to repair his torn pec, and he's expected to miss most of 2020 season and he signed a three-year deal worth 42 million dollars back in march so for a squad that we know ar has struggled a lot on the defensive side of the ball the last few years one of their big free agents is going to miss quote most of the 2020 season so a bad blow for the Bengals defense today it is i mean let's not get crazy he wasn't a star with my team we thought he was going to be better than he was he's he's graded up pretty well uh more interceptions are always nice he can play both both outside and in the slot, and he was ready to, and he cashed in, as you said, as a free agent. So there's nothing to be said for that. He's still in his prime at 28. This is a bad injury. He'll miss a significant portion of it. But he's fast, and he was ready to come back and have a good year. And now that's not going to happen. It just stings a lot if you're a Bengals fan, right? Because they've been waiting for their franchise to do a lot in the offseason as far as spending money. And then they finally yeah, go do that. And one of the guys that you spent a lot of money on is going to be out for a while. I want to get your thoughts on this, AR. This being reported coming out of New England that second-year running back Damian Harris has been getting, quote, the heavy workload early in camp. Now, you know we love some fantasy football. I don't know what the heck to think of this right now. I know Lamar Miller pulled up, and now he's on the pup list and Sonny Michelle is also there, too, with that injury. But you know how this works in New England. Bill's going to keep it very confusing. But Damian Harris was talented at Alabama. He was, and it's a little bit of a mystery to me, you know, his lack of usage. And so he was a third-rounder, correct? I don't have it in front of him. He, he was a middle-rounder. He was a third-rounder, I think. I can't remember and, exactly where he was drafted. Yeah, third-rounder. I just yeah, okay. looked at it. Yeah, so you, there you, you go. take a guy in the third round, you're going to give him some sort of a role. And, you know... You get guys drafted in the third round. Of the running backs that are drafted in the third round over the last several years, his touches were the fewest. Like he's he's like 
he was going to be what a handcuff to my dude Sony Michelle, mm-hmm. and or he was, and he's and so I don't know what to, to make of that in 2020. It's a good sign that you could that you get this guy to contribute, yeah, and you use him as the early down back, and he's he's a he's a fairly big dude who can run hard, and he might be a little bit of an enigma right now. But you're right, he might be a guy to watch. Yeah, no doubt, man. And that offense as a whole is going to be interesting, too, because their wide receivers didn't perform well. You bring in Cam now. Uh, we'll see what that looks like. But they had a lot of departures. The guys decided to opt out this season as well out there in New England. Wanted to bring this up. I know we touched on it earlier, but Nick um, Nick Chubb, yeah, is being evaluated for the concussion. Yeah. Is he in the protocol right now? Did that come out from Kevin Stefanski? Did he confirm that? That is yes, uh, he did. Okay, that okay. is a I yes. That, okay. that was the news that he confirmed that he is. So yeah. uh, it shouldn't affect anything for meaningful games next month. I would expect him to be sidelined for the week, and then there you go. So he is. I don't think he's had NFL concussions. He hasn't had. Uh, we've never really talked about his bell being rung. Uh, you want to quickly stay with Hammies in Cincinnati for a thousand, Alex. We got T. Higgins now sidelined with a hammy. See, that's not good. He's yet that, to even go in pads. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, that, that, that's so, brutal. And that was like the one unit AR looked at their team and said, that could be a real strength. John Ross is with his family because of COVID. I know, I know. So that's Tyler Boyd and Tate and Erickson working with Burrow. Um, so there you go. It's early. We'll get those hams. We'll get those. We'll get a deep tissue massage. Maybe something Swedish. Who knows? Get that thing worked back. Uh, I will tell you, this isn't going to make Buckeye fans very happy that uh, high school football is going. Man, contact sport ready to go. Crazy, crazy. Uh, the governor says all sports may go forward this fall with contact and non-contact, uh, but the big boys that wear the scarlet and gray, you guys are going to watch for a while. I'm telling you, man. I think the underdogs in play here still. I'm not saying they plug it back in, but I, I will say this. If all the presidents bow up a little bit and try to circle the wagons and Warren can, can tuck his tail and come up there and say, we've reconvened, we've talked to the presidents, this wouldn't be my choice. I think we have medical evidence to say this is a risk. This is a big risk that I wouldn't be willing to take. Yeah. But these individual universities have banded and we're going to, we're going to, uh, move forward and try to get this done again. I'm not saying he'll do it, but it, and I'll take the presidents to start becoming more public to draw him out and get some pressure. If they really are willing to do that, yeah. I think that 10% can rise a little bit. Cool. All right, we're going to jump out of here. Guys, guess what? Let's come back Thursday and talk about a game six, shall we? <laughs> I, Let's hope hope so. I hope so. All right, have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.